podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I got a phone call. Devonani Raw is calling in. Devonani, hang on, Devonani. I'm busy. You're too late. We're starting the podcast without you. Yeah, let him fry that guy. Uh, I guess Devonani uh, ignored the recording sign and decided to leave his phone on ringling ding ding. Classic Devonani Raw move. Classic Raw. Uh. Oh, Andy, it's, it feels like we've watched every other Star Trek except for TNG in so long. Yeah, that's true. Of, because of the Patreon, you know? If you we really informed ourselves about the uh, the rest of the Star Trek universe. If you're in the Patreon, you're well aware that Andy and I have recently discussed as many things as Voyager, Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Enterprise season one finale and season two opener. I mean, it is the best time to be a patron. We just put up a three hour and 19 minute podcast about season three opener of Discovery. Yeah, first two episodes. All right, I wanted it to sound more impressive. Well, it's. Do you want to convince them it's one episode? Yeah, I want to convince them it's like one coherent thing. We've never well, done anything coherent. I mean, they, I don't know. They don't. <laughs> they listen to this enough. They're not going to be going in and expecting that. Yeah. Well, anyway. But look, but, it's great to be but back. But what we lack in coherence, we up, make up for in long windedness. We also lake up for it. We are big Ricky Lake heads here. Um, what if this just turned into a Ricky Lake podcast? We just got old tapes from 1992. It would worsen the podcast. By the way, I'm sure that podcast exists. <laughs> she must have a podcast, right? Ricky Lake must have a podcast. Yes, but I was talking about like a podcast that just talks about the old Ricky Lake show. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, there, that probably exists, and it probably is is hosted by Ricky Lake. <laughs> there you go. I mean, look, if the Delta Flyers can do it, Ricky can do it. Yeah. So, got uh, one. Yeah, Gates McFadden apparently has a podcast. Uh, I've yet to be asked to be on it, but whatever, it's cool. Are you that tight with her? No, no, it was that was more of a for comical effect, of course. Oh, I see. Well, you asked me to be on it. I just sit over here and and do podcasts. You have an association with many of the uh, the people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm friendly, uh, acquaint, acquaintantly, with a lot of them. But uh, Andy, that's not why we're here. We're not here to talk about other podcasts. We're here to talk about. Star Trek The Next Generation, and uh, I'll just tell you right now, if you should watch this episode. Here we go, everybody. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Me. Mm. Me? Mm. Mm. A lot of conflicting noises. <laughs> <laughs> are they really, conflicting? Are they just different spins on the that's, same noise? I mean, it's how I feel about the episode, generally, and the second episode. Uh, it's part of a whole, half of a whole, so, mm. you know. I've only watched the first episode. Oh, is that Devonati again? Would you tell Devonati to cool it? I can't believe he <laughs> went over to your house when he couldn't get in here. Did you hear that? Did it sound like a vibration? 
No, I heard your the sound, the text oh, sound. Wow. Oh, interesting. I didn't hear it. Well, it's it's, hear it's not your phone. It's Devanani's. Crazy. Obviously. Um, you yeah, would never, you would He's never texting me. What's going on? How come I'm not in the pod? <laughs> um, you guys aren't recording without me, are you? I'll destroy you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's next, Matt? Do you mm. need to be prompted? Mm, hang on. <laughs> Has it been too long? Hang on. I think. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I'll, I'll just play the sound. You tell me if, I, if I'm right or not. Okay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you went into the correct room. Oh, I, you know, I knew it was one of these doors marked with these tiny stickers that say a number followed by a lot of small text. Um, and uh, I feel by this point, it would be in your in your sort of physical. You know, memory. That, you know what it uh, is. Which we way spent, you walk when we, uh, from the uh, corridor? When, we spend we so much started. time on the show, starting them from the president's circle. Sometimes we That's start true. from you know, you know, in the hall. It's it's hard to remember, but I'm glad that I remember the Admirals Club. Which you is, remember uh, to tell them, Matt, how they get into the Admirals Club. Yes, of course. All they have to do is leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. You'll be in the Admirals Club, and uh, if you're lucky enough, Andy might read your review, your five star review on the podcast. Andy, who do we got? Interestingly, there was only one new one, even though we Isn't slowed down. Isn't that interesting? We really haven't put up anything. To a large degree. Uh, by the way, real sorry. We, you know, life is, uh, life finds a, I think I already did this joke on the Twitter, life finds a way. Uh, but with us, it finds a way to slow us down and distract us and uh, and cause problems. So uh, we apologize with for, this, for the slowness. However, this is the second one, hopefully we'll get up within a short period of time, so... So, hey, look at that. We're almost like a regular podcast. Almost. Uh, the only uh, review we had sent in, five-star review, was from Pin Pindar Ninja, um, who uh, titles their review, The Best TV Show Podcast. Sounds promising so far. Star Trek The Next Conversation is the best TV show podcast I have encountered. Myra and Secunda have an easy chemistry that shines through in every episode. And they own, uh, and they have genuine insights into the material. Their background in television shows. Uh, I am only at the second season. God help my soul. Jeez. Oh, boy. Uh, But I hope Andrew never improves at podcasting. No, no, no I fear think of that. he did. I think he did. I think I just took on all of his badness. <laughs> like as long as as long as the uh, the it, it evens out to the same amount of uh I mean really it's like once then... once the soundboard came into play and there were right. sounds to access it all went out yeah. the window. So whoever's handling that is going to be worse. Yeah. Um uh hope Andrew never improves the podcasting and every episode remains as hilariously inept as the early ones. Certainly sir oh, or ma'am. We're already uh, there. It's uh, it's very true. Don't worry Still. about us not being inept. Um, there you go. President Circle, here we come. The Federation of Planets, President Circle. I kind of sang that like I was Fred from the B-52s. <laughs> <laughs> President Circle, <laughs> the United Federation of Planets. President Circle, gonna be in a President Circle. <laughs> I was doing that. <laughs> All Pete. right, 
Andy, here we are. Yeah. Who whose name? I was trying to remember the the one of the lady singers from uh, Kate was one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she was fantastic. Is one of them. Um, I mean, they're still they're still still kicking. Still they're still, still out performing. there pumping out the musics. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm just you can think about it. They were they they've been going strong since 1976. It's pretty impressive. Same lineup. Um, Same lineup, I th- Andy. I forgot to tell you. Minus, of course, sounds. Ricky, who passed away, the first guitar player, uh, Cindy's uh, sister. So, Cindy's, sorry, Cindy was his sister. Oh, you're, you're a real 52s head. I love the 52s. Keith, Keith Strickland, who was their drummer and yeah. uh, and Ricky's partner, um, actually took over on guitar. After Ricky uh-huh. passed away, and I think Keith is an extraordinarily good guitar player. So there you go. That's my that's my B fifty twos minute. And Kate Pearson. That was yeah. the uh, and I and I had Rock the name before I looked it up. Sorry. Um. Uh. In uh, today's sounds, there are a couple of uh, voice hails that were sent to us, and oh, one was from a no friend room of ours in the President Circle. Oh my gosh! Um, sorry, I should have told on. you before we started. My lack of professionalism. It's going to be the. Um, it's Alexander. Alexander helped, gave us a voice hail. He called yes, in. He did. Um, to laugh. Uh, so the first one will be Erica one, and then we'll we're going to cut it off halfway because she she kind of uh, loses her way and calls herself out on it, and uh, and then go right to Erica two. So this is an edit that I'm doing live on the fly. Well, you don't have to edit it. Oh, Just stop. No, no, on this is a, that's a, that's a, that's on the fly. Well, yes. Based on all the pauses we have, I don't think it's. Uh, we're expecting it to be smooth. Oh boy, oh boy! This is a lot of pressure you just threw at me. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> I had it all lined up. I was like, oh, I got to tell him, but then uh, then you didn't tell I don't know, me. He seemed so raring to go. No, I needed. You I didn't to want figure to figure out down. if the three hour and nineteen uh, three hour and nineteen minute episode yeah, no, I know. would fit on Patreon, or if I had to cut sometimes, it. Sometimes it sometimes does. Good news, work, everybody! It fit big. on Patreon. Can you believe it? Yeah. All right, here we go. She got a, she got a Hello, Matt and Andy. This is Lieutenant Erica Vanover. Am I Lieutenant? Yes, I'm Lieutenant. You are. Hey, I finally got a job after over a year, so I am back in the Patreon, in the President's Circle, in the whatever the 1701 is. I'm there. I miss you guys. I'm catching <laughs> up. Too, it's awesome. I just wanted to tell you that um, this is about Sinatra, the, the, of course, the best part of the show, Frank Sinatra, come on. I believe Matt asked uh, what Sinatra closes shows with, and I'm not an expert. I'm a Sinatra lover, not an expert. <laughs> um, but Bonding, what, from what I know, um, the older shows would be closed with Oh my God! The name is escaping me. <laughs> so I think she lost it. Then she called um, well, okay, back let's and gave us the more recent shows. More recent shows were closed with Angel Eyes. Uh, the last line of that song is "Excuse me while right. I disappear." And while he sang that, after he sang that, he would walk off the stage. Uh, Chicago was one of the older shows in the. Um... Yeah, wait. So I'm supposed to go okay. to the next so, thing? Yeah, go to the next one now. Yeah, but that was information. You can hear it, but she, it seems like she has it more uh, clarified. By oh, the next, she, uh, she, 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 I get the angel eyes information in the next one as well. 
All right, I don't know, man. You want to play the whole thing? Play the whole thing. I'm, I'm sorry, you guys. My... This is Lieutenant Vanover again. I got brain freeze when I was talking to you. I don't know why. Haven't had a lot of coffee yet. Maybe it's that. Um, but the song that he would end shows with Sinatra, he, Sinatra, uh, was My Kind of Town. Now, of course, that's the chorus is Chicago. But My Kind of Town would be the end sort of song, the sort of, uh, I guess Before maybe the, encore. Um, the last... I don't know, 30 seconds of it or so, where he says, my kind of town, I'm not going to sing, because I can't uh-huh. sing, but where he starts to say, my kind of town, that way, whatever town he was in, was his kind of town. Of course. Um, also, bring back Marveling with Matt and Andy. Okay, bye! Uh, that was a lot crammed in there. And, by the way, I don't agree with any of Sinatra's choices. I mean, I agree. Uh, but he, but she also did say at the end of the last message, uh, there was a, that apparently he hated my way for some reason. Oh. Which we were saying should have Wait, been his last song. The end of the one you had me not listen to the rest of. She gave that information. Look, Andy, man, it was I'm all trying. there. Oh Jesus, you're the you you're have the, information I don't have now. Individual. I you want to you want to go back? Hey, yeah. How about this, Matt? Go back and play the whole me. thing. <laughs> um, well, okay. Let's start with the more recent shows. More recent shows were closed with Angel Eyes. Uh, the last line of that song is, excuse me while I disappear. And while he sang that, after oh, he sang okay. that, he would walk off the stage. Uh, Chicago was one of the older shows in the, um, you know, the fans days. That would close a lot of the shows, too. So there you are, from what I know. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, Semester Trivia, he really hated the song My Way. You know, he sang it because people loved it, and that's a lot of times he would end shows with that as well, if it was requested, but he hated that song. Who's okay, putting in the guy. request? Who's who's got the who's got the juice to sit in a Sinatra crowd and go, Frank, sing my way, and for That's Frank Sinatra question. to go, well, all right. <laughs> Would people yell requests to him? It's a good question. <laughs> or was he is the chairman of board too intimidating and nobody would do it? It feels like it's such a standard thing that even for Frank they would have done it. Andy, you went to a lot of effort to try to you know get this as concise as possible, but one more criticism. This should have been in the Sinatra section. <laughs> you, this is bullshit. This is total bullshit because I have on many occasions shuttled the Sinatra-themed uh, hails and issues into the Sinatra section, and you have blamed me saying, well, this should have gone in the hail section. This is total Everyone illustration listening. of that is you are a you are a walking catch 22 there is no way to win with you <laughs> look it's just how people like myself and devonani roll are you know Ugh. that's how we roll you're like uh you're like a betazoid that also, only causes follow, aggravation follow up to this was that the christopher pike medal of valor awardee it was, and ah, both of us forgot to congratulations. Sort of and primarily, that's because uh, Erica was had a had a bout of unemployment, and she got employed again. And uh, one of the first to... things to come back in her life was us. <laughs> well, that I can't you can't you can't fault anyone for that for those kind of choices. You know, she's going to spend her money, her her fun money, on whatever she wants to spend it on. But I guess she wanted to, it was a hard time, and uh, she came through it, as many of us. I've had a hard time over the past year. So Andy and I haven't worked. We don't. We don't have work yet. <laughs> no, we do have the Patreon. So that's, that's uh, right. Something. We're thank, here for thank you. God for you guys. We All did right, it in... our way. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that song. Oh. That song's the worst. Chicago um, is my kind of town, or something. I don't know how that, that seems goes. Real hammy. 
that they, he just crams into it. Cleveland, Cleveland, <laughs> you're my kind of town. Uh, priority one messages open proper. All righty, everybody. If you want to send us a hail, that will probably definitely absolutely go to the top of the pile, then uh, join the Patreon and you can have this priority one message action. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. What are people saying, Andy, about the previous episode, Interface? Mr. The Ultimate Trekker writes, Just when I thought I'd seen it all, Matt and Andy... Oh, this is just to address this. Matt and Andy screwed up the sync on the President Circle member list, proving that there's always new ways to mess up a podcast. Keeps me on my toes. and Keeps me coming back. Matt Kunda. And then Joe Moore said, I thought maybe Andy had developed the power to project himself into the future. Um, I thought I just wanted to address it because Matt How? did... Go ahead. I wonder how out of sync it was. I did not. I never went back to listen, but it definitely. It. That was <laughs> I do wonder how times. much of a distinction there is between what they were listening to, which was us talking over each other and not listening to each other, and the way we normally interact on this podcast. I'm not sure what the distinction is. However, he re-uploaded it. He fixed it. So if you go back to it, if if you should be so inclined. If you want to download it again, you'll get the third version of the show posted. First version did not have the theme song. Second version had the theme song, but the Patreon section was way oh, out of sync. I didn't realize you uploaded it twice. Three times. Three times. And the third version, I fixed everything. He was sick and groggy. And I and, uh, put it up, and then and, and hopefully you people will listen to that one and not the bad one. Um... Lieutenant Roberto writes, uh, do you think there is a reason Troy is not a doctor? There are constantly PhDs everywhere, but Crusher is the only medical doctor. I never noticed until uh, PFT was a doctor as a counselor on lower decks. She just got the job because she can pretend to read minds. If Paul Is Paul F. Tompkins on lower decks now? I, I don't know. I assume that's what PFT is. That'll always be what PFT is to me. Uh, and as a counselor, and as a doctor. Yeah, apparently he is. There you go. Gonna get caught up. He's Dr. Miglimo. <laughs> of course he is. That's a, a funny comedy name. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it would have made sense. I guess she's not a psychiatrist. She's only a therapist. But it would have been a nice addition. They've freaking made Paris a, a doctor on Voyager. Yeah, I mean, but... A doc, not a doctor, a nurse, but... Paris a nurse. Yeah. And Cass a nurse. It gives a character something to do. And it really does make sense that uh, Troy would, uh, you know, be kind of a field medic-y person. I wonder what her deal was. Like, what character... Sense? The characters, like... How she ended Desire up Desire to be... Yeah, you don't dig into that much on this show thus far. In st- I mean, her father was in Starfleet, so that makes sense. But you and don't... She's an empath, so yes, I think counseling, yeah. All right. You know what, it, you know what the piece is that's missing? It doesn't feel like it's logical how she would have been elevated to the position of sitting on the other side of Picard. Well, I mean, that's just, that's that Gene Roddenberry touch, you know? 
How so? Psychiatry was big in the 80s. Uh huh. And so Gene Roddenberry put a psychiatrist on the bridge. Yeah. And it's just residual and we're left over with it. And there you go. I don't think the ship's counselor would be on the bridge normally. But then again, you look at like uh, TOS and and McCoy was often on the bridge. Yapping. Um. Yes, but he wasn't sitting beside. I mean, no, he stood. He character. stood with his arm on his fucking chair. You know, was he that on the bridge that often? Though, you know, I don't know. My memory is as such, which it could be like a Mandala effect kind of a thing. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, and Data is the person I would, uh, or, the, or the being that I was, I would point to the uh, the with the greatest is a great example of someone who they like. They had your basic unit of he's like a a robot man and here's his things he's trying to be human in the first episodes so was sort of simplistic and then over time they really fleshed out his background and his journey to get to the enterprise and everything else and Riker too um whereas with Troy it feels like they didn't really well, they didn't they, really they, they, it doesn't they, make sense we're how not she done. got there we're not done yet with Troy um she will be getting promoted to commander in this season. And, oh, okay. Uh, so we'll learn a little bit more. So let's hold our horses, even though I brought the point up, having already seen that episode. Slow our roll. Okay, thank um, you. That's just so people don't have to write in to tell us about that episode that we're definitely going to be watching soon. I'm excited. Uh, Eric Peebles writes, I watched the next few episodes you'll be covering today and ended up staring at everyone's hands, so thanks for that. <laughs> must have commented on people's hands, the performances of people's hands. Look, your guess is as good as mine. Um, sometimes I I bring it up to see if Matt remembers what it's in reference to. <laughs> that I do not remember. <laughs> Maybe a bad way to handle the uh, the hellbag. Uh, Lieutenant Benjamin Garcia writes: Chalk up another win for Andy's theories. Jordy LaForge becomes the first person to interface with a machine. Interface in quotes. Oh, true. I like it. I like it. Uh, Laura Kincaid writes, Hi, Matt and Andy. Uh, please, please read... Oh, please, please read at least some of this in the style of Maury's Hurley. My absolute favorite thing from the early days. <laughs> so I did at least a little bit. Uh, hello from an unusually sunny Scotland. <laughs> you can do the accent, Andy. There's a lot of, a lot of voice requests. In this so hell. much happening here. <laughs> I'm, finally, I'm finally writing in as I'm almost caught up. Andy's accent corner... It's gonna be shit. With the main pod, and wanted to take the time to say a big thank you for bringing me serve. Man, I'm more off the rails than usual. Uh, so much joy and laughter over the last year or so. Uh, I discovered the pod last summer, and you guys have been wonderful companions on my many, many walks. Secunda is now my victory yell to the perennial confusion of my husband. No, I haven't explained it. <laughs> that seems cruel, Laura. Um, the United Federation of Planets President Circle theme genuinely makes me grin like an idiot every time I hear it. And hearing this week's number ones has allowed my two greatest entertainment loves, Roxette and Star Trek, to coexist for a wonderful, perfect minute. I also wanted to let you know <laughs> Roxette and Star that I'm Trek. heading off <laughs> Love it. To, to do uh, the West Highland Way uh, in a week. A 96-mile walk from... Milngavi, just outside Glasgow, uh, up to Glasgow, 
uh, up to Fort William in the Scottish Highlands and have been frantically watching TNG eps. No real hardship, though one of these uh, was Man of the People. S- have we seen Man of the People yet? We have. Yeah. Was that the one with the hearing impaired guy? What? Man of the People. Hearing what episode impaired was that? guy? I don't remember that. All right. I'm asking which episode it is. I feel like my brain doesn't remember any TNG. That's not a snipe. I really don't remember. Okay. Jeez Uh, Louise. Well, I didn't tell you. I don't know whose hands we talked about. I don't either. I'm sorry. It's not a quiz. I'm just asking you. So I can bank enough pod eps to keep me going on the journey. Milngavi is pronounced Mulgai, by the way. Just wanted to hear Andy try and pronounce it. Well, I hope you had your fun. Anyway, it made me wonder how much, how many other cool or far-flung places people might might have listened to the pod, and also how many other Scottish fans might be listening. Uh, we've definitely heard some. Love you guys, and super grateful for all you do. Star Trek pals are the best pals, Laura Kincaid. Uh, in parentheses, I'm the president of the Scottish Gorn Hegemony. Hegemony. Uh, you might <laughs> you might not be able to see it, but that's a Gorn on my T-shirt. Oh, I, maybe there was a picture. Um, PPS, I'm also a big Frasier fan and wondered, Matt, what's your favorite character in episodes? As Andy's never seen it, maybe you could do a collection of two or three with the big TNG guest stars of, for Patreon. <laughs> I mean, look, I the don't, Patrick Stewart one was fabulous. The Patrick Stewart episode of of TN, of uh, Frasier. Was there any TNG references? Were there? No. But there are some Star Trek y episodes, and I believe. No, there's a Klingon. Brent oh, Spiner funny. is in it as well. Oh, yeah. He does a good guest role as the. I guess in Paramount. Is he, is he Lilith's, Lilith's fiance? Or fly, really? Flying with Lilith? That's a big investment in Brent Spiner. Well, not when your character lives in Boston and the show's set in Seattle. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, I'm trying to remember that, but yeah. Uh, but back to Andy's thing. Okay, so I now remember the 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 the, the sign language empaths in their white things. The redheaded guy. I remember that episode. Right. That's a very that's an early episode, I believe, in season two or three. Man of the People. I don't know how I didn't remember this. Man of the People is the episode where uh, the guy uh, sucks her life force. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I associated that it was some Troy episode, yes. Terrible person dealing with Troy. But if I remember correctly, the deaf, the, the, the deaf guy was not a terrible person. Wasn't he? No. Didn't he have an issue? Well, his issue was that he just looked like he was a redheaded Jesus, you know? He was like in all white. He <laughs> seemed very pleasant to me. I don't remember if he was not pleasant. <laughs> I had to get a thing. Wasn't he using those people in a weird way? The I don't three remember. people? I don't remember, I don't remember either. Uh, anyway, I'm sure you guys will fill us in. <laughs> Lieutenant David Landau writes, Jordy, first attempt. All right, the episode's called Loud as a Whisper. Okay. And there are three interpreters uh, who interpret for the deaf negotiator. I'm sorry, that was the fifth episode of the second season. Okay. Uh, it's now. Reva, frustrated and agitated. Strauss communicate the crew. Picard orders Data to learn Reva's sign language in order to ask the translator. Picard offers Reva's place at the mediation. No, he's just like he is a genuine. 
He's a guy that is genuinely trying to do the right thing and and, and negotiate on behalf. Anytime of there's an interaction with Troy, I just assume that the person's a scumbag. And he's not at all empathic, actually. Gotcha. Woof. Oh, there are three people who are telepathic, not empath. I'm gonna go. Does it one of them get me fried? About episodes. It I don't matter. remember. It doesn't matter. It's not a test, Matt. You're doing great. I don't remember. Lieutenant David Landau writes: Jordy first first <laughs> his first anymore. attempt connecting. I cried his at brain. discovery. I don't know anything anymore. He he did. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, we had our we had a, about as many complaints as we usually do about Discovery, but uh, the ending of uh, of uh, that first episode just wrecked Matt. Sure I mean, it, it affected me too. I really appreciated it, but uh, it affected me more than it affected it anyone who made the show. Guaranteed of season three, that is, we're on season three. Yeah. Um. All right. Jordy's first attempt connecting to uh, his brain his brain to a probe he coughs through fake smoke Riker says uh, well this looks like it's going to work <laughs> let's move the probe uh, I feel like a bit more testing than just one minute's worth perhaps uh, a more thorough testing procedure um, Jordy couldn't move his legs uh, they need a high vis safety officer on board um, fair point I'm not sure what a high vis. Would that guy also be in the VR world with Jordy, the safety officer, with like a vest? <laughs> Just saying, hey, I don't. Uh, uh, Jordy, do uh, no, no, no. We need this ladder to be a little bit longer. And he's got a pad. He's right. <laughs> Just he's Martin. Stuff he down. Just, everything's out of. He just he uses a uh, clipboard and a pencil. Very old school. I mean, it is you know, it is an illusion, so it can be as analog as they want. <laughs> it can be whatever he wants. Jason Randall wrote, uh, in the beginning, LaForge says to Data, if my mom is dead, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then upon discovery, his whole mindset shifts to, yeah, she's dead, but it was a mistake, you guys. It's cool. I have no idea what to make of this. <laughs> this is a really good point. It was a great, crazy shift. I guess it suggests that he was in denial because he was so invested in her being alive. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it sort of was all those stages of grief, I guess, an attempt at that was made. Right. Uh, Lieutenant Danielle Hull writes, once Matt and Andy finished Star Trek in the year 2030, you should move to Buffy. You both watched it. I tune in for it. I don't <laughs> think at this rate we're ever going to run out of Star Trek. They're generating too much and we're going too slowly. But uh, that, that is all. Everything you're saying is correct. But uh, I do love much. I love Buffy. I would have no problem with this. I mean, the, the trailer for the new animated kid show, Prodigy, came out and I was like, what? This is a thing. Is that a Buffy show? No, for another Star Trek show. There's another oh, Star Prodigy. Trek animated oh, oh, show. Oh, I see. <laughs> More Star Trek content with a, with a holographic Janeway as the emergency oh, that's the training Janeway hologram. One. I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, it's a hologram. I think we've discussed this already. It's a hologram Janeway. No, because eh? this is new information to me, so we haven't discussed this. Oh, that's a downer. So what? It's a Starfleet vessel that's lost to the Delta Quadrant. Uh-huh. That children find. Non-Earth children. And then the emergency training hologram of Janeway kicks in and sort of, I think, whips them into shape to be Federation Starfleety. Oh, that's kind of cool. So The kids yeah. run the ship? 
Yeah, it's geared towards kids anyway, so. Uh, I'd be into that plot. That actually sounds like a more interesting plot than some of the recent Star Treks. <laughs> it's more concise. Right. Um, You know, that would have been kind of a great YA show. Well, that's what it, it, that's what it is, I think, isn't it? Oh, is that what it is? It's not I don't children, know. children. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The animation looks like it's not children, children. But uh, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not the, uh, the arbiter of what's good for children. I just am a father. I don't know. Soon you will be. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the. Uh, that's that's it for the uh, priority one messages. All right, and I don't have. A it's not the end of it. We're going to have that. it next month, but. Um, Closing priority one messages. Close, 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 closing, closing, closing. All right, let's go back out the door. I don't know why the music's playing, but it is. The United Federation of Planets President Circle. Uh. Now I gotta open the regular hails, which I'm gonna have to just use this one. Captain, incoming message. Let's see what this, all you folks out there had to say. On this podcast, it's like you can kind of feel like you're almost running the board yourself, like you're inside one of our brains trying to figure it out the whole time. Yeah, everyone's um, just yelling into their car stereo <laughs> or headphones. Um. Uh, this is from Eric Shercliffe, and he writes, Bring Brittany back. Hi, Andy, <laughs> and even Matt. Uh, been enjoying the pod again after something like a year hiatus. That's not true. It wasn't a year hiatus. It's a, we've been uh, doing one a month. Um, and th- this month you get two. Uh, COVID did many things, one of which was interrupt my ability to listen to the podcast. Oh, oh, he was a year hiatus. <laughs> Sorry about that, Eric. Um, basically no commute, no podcasts. Uh, I'm a little behind, you know, you could just sit at home, Eric, and, uh, you know, just kick off your shoes and, you know, light up your, your, you know, whatever cigarette, whatever you smoke and, uh, and just enjoy the podcast in front of the fire. Anyway, he says, I'm a little behind, but with all the new and old mistakes being made, uh, mostly by Matt, I think I would like to appeal to please bring Brittany back. I used to love that bit every time someone made a mistake back in the good old days. I know it's divisive, but it's also hilarious. The good so old if you days. could, maybe just one more time. Peace and long life, Eric. The only reason I read this, and I think you might have a point, is, you know, there's such a, a free Britney movement now with the new doc and the, the pro-Britney sentiment maybe as a point. I don't, I, have don't that. Have I don't have that in here. All right, I can dig it out for you. I mean, I used to just play the regular. Right. We did have several <laughs> versions that people sent in. Um, okay, then we have a voicemail. Um, There's so much happening out here. Our show is jam-packed. From, I would say the show is jam-packed. Voicemail. Gotta find that. Gotta queue it up correctly. Uh, voicemail uh, from Kalel from or phaser uh, questions. 
Uh, I might as well play the Kal-El one. But that's if you if I could play whatever one. Yeah, uh, you're going to play one of those eventually. So I don't I don't uh, know. Well, I'll one. go with what you were planning, and I think that's this one. Hey, Matt and Andy, uh, this is James from Wyoming. I just had a question uh, because in an upcoming TNC episode, spoilers, Picard and Data have to go track down a errant torpedo that flies off and doesn't hit its target. But when the Enterprise fires phasers and they miss their target, how far do those travel? Does it just keep traveling until it hits something, like a planet millions of light years away? Or does it just eventually uh, fizzle out? That was all. Thank you very much. And uh, disengage! Uh, okay. Let's see. Someone else asked this question in 2005. How far do how far do phasers go before losing their effectiveness? Uh, we can leave this to our astrophysicist. Never si- phasers aren't real, so how would the astrophysicist know this? Well, the astrophysicist would have an you know a an a, a, an opinion educated by science. I mean, if it's just light, then it's not dissipating. Uh, our heroes, uh, space phasers, at minimum distance. Uh, in Balance of Terror, it was possible to set phaser bolts to explosively dissipate at a distance, like proximity blasts, suggesting bolts are normally held together by some sort of a sheathing force, which may have a finite lifetime and thus spell explosive death to the phaser beam at a set distance. All right. I'll accept that answer as, like, out of out of phaser range, it'll diffuse. So there you Seems go. reasonable to me. Some people are just like the thing that I thought too, which was like space is too big; it doesn't matter. <laughs> It'll just right. hit whatever or nothing ever. Um, and you can play the uh, Cal L one, as far as I remember. <laughs> All right. Hi again, guys. It's Twan. It's a big PS from me as I'm listening to episode one hundred and one. I've just got to say. Just so you know where I'm coming from, I'm a massive Trekkie. My middle name's Kirk. My brother's middle name is Kal-El, so my mother thought we're both going to be heroes, which I suppose we are, but... Kal-El and Kirk, man, those are nerdy parents. It's amazing. What These episodes are probably some of my favourite, especially the shit that's going to go down with David as well. Um, but question. look, guys, just keep going. Uh, and thank you very much for doing this podcast. It's the only podcast I actually listen to because um, I just haven't got the time to listen to any others and I only listen on the road. So uh, just keep it going, guys, and uh, you guys take care. And I am guilty of not actually leaving you a five-star review yet, even since October. So I promise I shall do that tonight. All right, take care. Well, I assume he's done it and he's in the Admiral's Club. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't like Klingon stuff because I find it very one note. Yeah. And I wish I liked it more than I do. I don't know how you can make that argument after what Ronald Moore did to him, though. He he made them... I would I feel argue like they were, they were They were one note originally, we, and then oh, he I think sort of Ronald gave them more Moore, depth. Ronald Moore just played jazz around the single note, you know? And now they have this note of, you know, the, the time crystals. Like, what's that all <laughs> They added some terrible You're notes. obsessed with the time crystals. <laughs> I really don't like it. <laughs> um, lastly, 
Thomas Zira writes, Andy and Matt, when you get to uh, Season 7, Episode 8, titled Attached, can we get another Ask Frakes? Or are you saving it for garbage episodes like Sub Rosa? Thanks, That's Tom. an interesting question. Would I even bother him with the garbage episodes? Sub Rosa is so terrible. I wouldn't mind even just asking him about the whatever that last good episode was. I don't remember. He did one that in particular that I was like, that was Proto, fantastic. Prototype. Prototype. No, it wasn't prototype. There was a better one. Oh. It was in the way past. Mm. Um, but whatever. Uh, I would say no, 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 no Frakes are off the table. We could also save him for the finale. I would like him to just do a commentary on the, that, 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 season seven after all of the tng there's a there's a there's a one hour special hosted by jonathan frakes <laughs> oh really from the bridge and it'd be funny if we did an episode about that episode <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> we used to we did the uh some people have commented we did the the chaos on the bridge after season one and then we never went back to that well so that we was appropriate though it was very it, yeah. chaotic all right um yeah 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 that's yeah. it for the hails brother uh if you would like a ha- if you have a hail send Hulk it hogan to- what are you doing here <laughs> all right brother <laughs> send in your hails <laughs> to sttnc pod at gmail.com uh <laughs> uh hulkamaniac uh, i've cut you off before you could plug twitter or anything but go ahead <laughs> Uh, please put the title of the episode in the subject heading if you can uh, if you want to make things easier for me if you want to find Matt on Twitter or Instagram he's at Matt Myrer you want to find me on Twitter I'm at Secunda on Instagram I'm at Andrew Secunda uh, and if you want, got a voice for us call in to 816 Trek TNC Trek TNC alright that's it that was awesome. We had a good time just then. Remember that when we hopefully we can translate that? that to you to people who anyway. Okay, what? Let's do it. It's time to talk about the episode. Is <laughs> you having a bad brain day, man? <laughs> we crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. That's right, Andy. We're gonna talk about this week's episode, of course, which is uh, Gambit Part One of Two. Uh, this aired at some point in our lives, and Andy will tell me what the number one song was. The number one song was Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. She's all over this board. Yeah, it's interesting because we've now, now we're now in a lot of the same timelines in some of the different shows we're doing in the Patreon. So Mariah Carey just number one song in the UK, Relight My Fire by Take That featuring Lulu. I have no idea. Was it? Did Lulu do featuring Lulu with the two Gun? sir with love? Yes. Huh? Yeah, but did I think of, I think of Two Sir with Love, but yes, yeah, you she think did. of Two Sir with Love over Man with a Golden Gun? As far as the songs are concerned, yes, one is superior. Well, I'm not saying in terms of superior. I mean, in terms of a Matt Myra reference. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I just Two Sir with Love. I just always have really liked that song. I mean, it's such a better song. Here, I'll just play them back to back. Not relight my fire. Well, um, number one movie. Demolition Man. Number one book, The Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. 
Number one TV show that week, Home Improvement, births that week. <laughs> Tiffany Trump, events, Nelson Mandela and F.W. De Klerk are awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. I like this more. That's probably because I, I secretly want someone to write a, a James Bond villain song about me. So that's, that's about kind of you. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very. I guess it often is about. It's always the villain, saying how powerful it? the person is. It's always just setting <laughs> up scary, that powerful, powerful villain. And scary, yeah. Um. Yeah, but they're the uh, and also they're usually titular. They're not usually, but occasionally they're titular. Man with the golden gun is Goldfinger is. Um, I'm sorry. Now, what was the song that she actually had it charted again with in the Relight 90s? Relight my fire. Relight think, my fire. I have a feeling she might have been a sample. A sample that, I'm guessing it's, it's take that. Yeah, with Lulu, featuring Lulu. Correct. I'm seeing Lulu in the promo still. So who knows. <laughs> Oh, the UK. <laughs> what was going on? Can someone, can some Brit please explain to us? Like, I get it. We've had our, we had our, our share of crappy hits, but it's just like, I, I just don't even understand. Did the music charts work differently over there? Very strange. I'm so confused by everything I'm seeing. Let me see. Put it up. I'm waiting. I'm also. I would like the. Um, it's kind of growing on me. Oh, is this like their Backstreet Boys? Uh, I don't know. Kind of looks boy band. Wouldn't that be the Robbie Williams band, whatever that was? Where is Lulu? She's supposedly featured, and I have yet to see a second of her. If I'm a Lulu fan at this oh, point, oh, I'm oh, outraged. Hang on, here she is. the hook and by the way this is the Robbie Williams band isn't it that's Robbie Williams this is take that so the answer is yes is it well all right that explains something by the way singing the hook well well sure she is a very characteristic voice Now I feel like am I am I the idiot? I'm uh, making fun of Robbie Williams's early band. No, no, it's quite all right. I still don't know what the fuck was happening in the UK. No, because this this is the last minute of the song. We had to get through all of this 
Is it like more of a, a club music kind of vibe over there? Look, I think the UK, because of the, I mean, what is the population of the UK in the 90s? Uh, well, we'll say, what was it, 92? Nine million. 57 million. So, and then, like, hang on. Let's make it as big as New York. City. All right, so it's it's you know it's like forty percent bigger than California, as far in as fairness, population is concerned, and California w- does a lot of weird shit. Right, that's the thing. Like we're thinking of, uh, we would think of of California as Los Angeles, which is inaccurate. <laughs> there's a there's a there's so many different a lot of, a lot of stretches of California spectrums of cultures and people, and which is why mm-hmm. you should vote on September fourteenth. No, on the recall election. Thanks, everybody. Um. Anyway, that was what was going on in regular history. Uh huh. Uh huh. What about Star Trek history? Well, don't you Matt, don't you don't you do a this day in Star Trek history? <laughs> no, that's what the show is. Oh. The, the, the the thing that was going on in Star Trek history is this episode of TNG was blank. Oh. However, there was someone else we do have to check in on. Oh and, yes. uh, Frank and we go back Come and, on. And play the voicemail here. It's time if you for like. that segment everybody hates. <laughs> for Frank Sinatra, come on. Oh, uh, I wasn't ready for it. <sighs> Off your game for the main feed, Matt. This is, uh, I mean, I guess it's the free one, so theoretically, this is the one you should be on. Evermore. It's a much bigger audience. I mean, Frank would not be happy. Ring a ding ding. If you like it, I'll play it. But I don't like even, it. He didn't even wear his pants uh, before a show because he didn't want him to get wrinkled. Is that true? Yeah. Or is that just... Th- <laughs> in his, that uh, in the Seinfeld? Wasn't that pants? the Seinfeld episode? Oh, maybe. At I some point, why. Jerry... I have, whatever. Continue, Andy. Tell us what Frankie was doing. Frank has finished up his East Coast tour and has taken a break. So in honor of Andy's favorite food, let's read a New York Times article published October 10th, 1993. Sinatra fanatic Patsy Grimaldi says that his Grimaldi's Pizzeria under the Brooklyn Bridge has a strict no-delivery policy, except when it comes to the chairman of the board. When Frank checks into the Waldorf, he orders two large sausage pies to go, and for him I deliver. He once sent a jet from the West Coast to pick up 50 pizza pies. That I have just become even more of a Frank Sinatra fan based on that story. Do you think... Grimaldi's was pretty great. It's no longer with us? No, I... Uh, or the quality is no longer with us. <laughs> Might have had a change of management at some point. You know what happened, Dandy? They started delivering to any dingbat who called. <laughs> I love uh, no, I food. <laughs> I love pizza. Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's it's not my the... favorite pizza in New York, but no, it is pretty great. that's far as we all know. All right. Yeah. Which is also Not the favorite. one in Vegas. Not the one in Vegas. Now, of course, Andy, it's time to talk about Gambit Part 1 from Larry Nemechek's book, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. This aired the week of October 11th, 1993, and it was directed by Peter Luritsen. 
thought you were going to say Peter Luger. Uh, it was directed by Peter Luger Steakhouse. Every waiter, <laughs> bellhop, dish boy, host, hostess, waitress, said barkeep was allowed to have input into the direction of this episode. It was unlike the guild. Normally they don't really like to give credit to multiple people, but this was directed by Peter Luger Steakhouse. Teleplay by Naren Shankar. Story by Christopher Hatton and Naren Shankar. When Picard disappears on an archaeological pleasure trip, the, se- <laughs> the senior staff the senior staff discovers he was apparently vaporized weeks earlier by ruffians in a bar. <laughs> Why are you laughing at this? Just the term ruffians. <laughs> Riker who refuses to accept. It Picard's- is very editorial. Yeah, who refuses to accept Riker. Oh, sorry, Picard's death until just to serve forces a. Uridian source to reveal the attacker's next likely stop, Baratus 3. There, LaForge finds some kind of micro-crystalline damage found in the bar. The same kind, rather. Suddenly, the group's ambushed by Picard's murderers who kidnap an, an injured Riker and quickly beam up. The pirates escape. He's putting a lot of things in quotes. Murderers and pirates escape, but Data chooses to look for the clues rather than pursue. Coming to, Riker discovers he's wearing a pain inducer used for force discipline by Baran, the leader of the mercenary band. Riker's shocked to find Picard alive and posing as a renegade archaeologist named Galen, who is at odds with Moran. Taking a cue from Picard, Riker assumes the air of a Starfleet black sheep and then repairs an engine problem that Picard had secretly caused so Riker could win the trust of Moran and the crew. Data soon realizes the raiders have been hitting the ruins of Romulan offshoot race and pursues them to Calder 2, where he's surprised to hear that Riker ordered the Enterprise's shields lowered. He does so as Picard, the one reprieve against attacking Starfleet outpost there, is forced by Baran to open fire on his own ship. End of episode. Well, Andy, lots uh, to lots to discuss. Is, is ruffians in quotes too? Ruffians was not in quotes. Interesting. So I don't know. I wish he would put more of his editorializations in quotes. <laughs> I think a lot of it would be in quotes. Uh, did I ever get that window open that had the show? You have my attention. No. Were you wrong? Oh, guys, the blacklist is available on Netflix. In case you're wondering, you've all been waiting for us to do our blacklist runs. All right, so here we go. Andy will jump in, share the screen, let you see what's happening on this here program. Pew pew. We had business dealings. He owes me money. Well, if we had business dealings, I can tell you that I wouldn't disappear. Maybe we can discuss that possibility. But first, I have to find him. Collect the money I'm owed. I'll be closing in a few hours. Perhaps we could uh, discuss this more privately. If I don't find him, I'm going to have to move on. Hmm. Are you sure you haven't seen him? Human. About two meters tall, smooth-headed. Hmm. No. I don't remember anyone like that. You're lying. And you're a better Zoid. I thought so. Listen... 
people that come in here, they count on a certain amount of anonymity. And if I were to start answering questions about them, uh, even to a very beautiful woman, well, I wouldn't be in business very long. <laughs> and being a businesswoman, I'm sure you understand. Great story. I'll remember it next time I'm in a knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Riker. Already in with everybody. Everybody loves Riker. That's the way you write a guy who everyone loves. The babes love him. Everyone loves him. Gene, you gotta let me write Riker as someone who has swagger. Every scene, he should be finishing a story and everybody's laughing at Hey, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to write into the show Bible that he never sits like a normal person. I want him to put his leg over everything. Because that's swagger. Crockett. Crockett had swagger. These guys, you know, I, I like to imagine Riker under his uh, Stafford uniform, he, his boots, he's got no socks. Yeah. Just like Crockett. He, he's also got a white suit underneath his uniform. <laughs> That's so you can't see the cocaine he spills on it. <laughs> Any luck? I think the one over there knows something. He would not admit to having seen the captain, but he said anyone who visited the ruins of Nafir would probably come here eventually. I suspect he knows more. Let's go. Commander, I told... Why do they have that moment? The man we're What's up? I wonder they have that moment of Worf getting cut off. <laughs> it's sort of an odd moment to include. I bet in the script it's written something like, uh, uh, like a like a like a, an ellipses from from Worf, and then and then Dorn the action, decided. the action of uh, Riker. Riker spins on the inf- on the on the uh, whatever this race gentleman is. That's what I would guess. Do you think it's going to be true? Do you think that I'm getting my accurate? Is my guess going to be accurate? We'll find out. Luckily, it'll probably be on page three. Looking for no, he's cut off. Uh, Riker moves immediately to the table. Worf tries to tell him something, Commander. So, yeah, so so he goes through his whole thing. I suspect he knows more. Let's go. Riker moves immediately toward the table. Worf tries to tell him something. Commander, I told him a uh, loud whisper, it says. And, uh, and he's got a little dash dash, but Riker's out of earshot. Gotcha. Knows more. Let's go. Commander, I told My friend tells me you know something about the man we're looking for. Oh, I see. He's about to, he's to tell him to about the sister thing. I have a sister, too. All right. I buy it. That's reasonable. I explained to him that we are looking for a man who impregnated your sister. So you can imagine how much this means to me. Family honor is important. If someone had defiled my sister. Someone that good at poker. Riker doesn't care about how much he's indicating to uh, Worf in front of this guy. To (laughs) everyone. Like that, that he does not play it cool on the ship when he sees Picard. Like the look he gives when oh, yeah. the card is a revealed, really good point. and yeah. it is for it lasts so long. Yeah, 
What? I think it's here. Yeah. I say kill it. Now. What would there be egg on Picard's face? Oh, shit. Will, I thought they were not going to kill you, obviously, because he doesn't like what I say. This was the true gambit I ran in this episode. I wonder what the gambit will be in part two. Oh, I can't wait. Angry. She's got a vicious temper. I wouldn't cross her. You say one word, and you're a dead man. Perhaps there's an element of risk here that I did not fully appreciate. And how much more latinum will it take to offset this risk? This isn't about latinum. As a man with a sister, a sister with a temper, I can sympathize with you, but... How did you come here? Do you have a ship in orbit? Yes. Then take me with you. You can drop me anywhere. Agreed. Now talk. The man you're looking for was here several weeks ago. There's a group of aliens sitting at this table. He was asking them questions. Who were these aliens? I don't know. But they looked dangerous. They attacked him. He managed to incapacitate three of them before he was knocked down. He was thrown against that wall. Um, what are you? What are you? What are your thoughts here as you're watching this episode of the show? And we have a parade. Doctor Crusher pull up a phaser. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I can tell you. Number one, I, I have a recurring feeling. I don't know. Maybe you can come up with examples that disprove this. But I, every, anytime they go into Star Wars Canteen Land and Star Trek, I'm always. Star Trek, I'm always unsettled. And I always feel like, man, I don't like this. And maybe we even just saw one in, in the Discovery episode we were watching. Well, it's it's anything, any 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 space bar is the cantina. That's it. It's just, that's what it turns into, an attempt at this the cantina. This is especially cantina-ish. The, the, and frankly, the, the, you know, for all of the work the makeup department had to do or the, you know, with the prosthetics and everything, it's just they did a really good job with having different different aliens which is difficult even in a regular episode um but uh i don't know it, you know let me just throw this out to you it feels to me the rest of the star trek universe it being so such a huge swing um both in the 60s and in the you know with tng in the terms of the style differences and the tone and everything, it feels like such an organic, unified universe. Like it makes, and in, the internal logic of it really makes sense and feels right, which is, I think, part of the reason that it's had this longevity. And the, there are certain areas, and this is one, and when they go down to planets and they engage with people and there's first contact and the whatever, that generally speaking, no matter how weird the planet is or if they miss a little, that always seems fine. Whenever they go into kind of the, the, our crew sort of interacting with civilian people just, you know, at a place where all the all the species are sort of hanging together, it doesn't feel organic and cohesive anymore. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? Or do you disagree, rather? Well, you know what was interesting about this to me? It was like, I was like, uh, this is. Uh, for some reason, my brain was like thinking of the economy of Star Trek again. 
and like, okay, so this guy wants the gold press latinum, right? For the information, does the Enterprise have like a, a cache of it that it can use for situations like this? So, of course, at the at discretion the at like uh, right. of the captain or something. Right, and they have um, no economy in and of themselves, but they must have some kind of economic power compared to the universe. Right, they must be able to barter with every... Well, I mean, they must, right? They have resources, I guess, of every Federation planet, so the natural resources of, like, dilithium and trilithium and, and uh, you know, deuterium and everything else they use out there in, in La La Town. Um, so this, yeah, this was like... And then, like, does he gotta go... You know, like, how you... Um, you know how in... Here's here's a here's a scene I'd like to see in Star Trek from now on. Okay. I want to see the away team visit the quartermaster. Uh-huh. And I want to see them be issued everything they're going to need. Like uh-huh. a, like a James Bond like scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, if you think about like Goldfinger, when James Bond's going to go play Goldfinger at the golf club, he needs a bar of gold. Right, it's a really good point, and they generally just play it like, eh, you'll have a tricorder, you'll have your phaser, you, you know, you, your communicator, yes. you'll have everything you need." But particularly and on something like, like this, it's going to be much different in different planets. Yes, when they're un, when they're un, quote unquote undercover, right? Uh, I think that the I think they should they need their Mumenshans ninja outfits. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for agreeing with me. But yeah. I, I, so that's sort of what I was thinking about during this whole thing. Rather than like, less of like, this is all the same universe kind of a cohesion of the Federation versus the non-Federation and this must be a non-Federation planet or outpost or whatever this is. So they're in, they're operating in territory that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Help. Right. Help I me guess with I words. Just, I just feel like, I mean, first of all, I think you're right about the quartermaster thing. Um, clearly, they they issued Beverly a, 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 a beret, a disguise, a disguise as Van Gogh in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, she has a, a a smock that's kind of like what, what is who is this fooling? What is this like, supposed to look like? We're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dress you like an art teacher. <laughs> um, but yes. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm curious what other people think about about my my take on it. Like, obviously. I accept. I, I don't know if it's like they're like, well, the other sci-fi franchises are able to do a cantina-like thing and get down and dirty, and they're not the same as the Federation. It just feels weird in a way that doesn't feel cohesive with the Star Trek universe. And uh, I don't know if that's just me, or if that's if I'm onto something here. Anyway, um, I mean, we're just so used to spending so much time on the on the on the brightest of the bright. You know, like we're on the right. Enterprise, we're on the Federation ship, all these Starfleet Academy graduates, and everyone's out there for the betterment of everything. I said it about this Discovery episode when they go down to the like the Western planet, which is it feels to me when it goes into cantina scenes, we're in kind of a low rent cable sci fi show as opposed to Star Trek. Even yeah, because Star, Star Trek, Trek, you know, it just seems like most of Star Trek happens on on the bridge or on bridges, right. and in and in deep space. So I can see for sure where you're getting that in your head. Anyhow, let's move forward. Hey, 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 Andy, that's what the show's for, you know. 
What's that? Working it out. That's so true. We're just working it out, guys. We're just trying to figure it out, you know. I what don't I like mean? the lion guy here. I don't think the lion guy's makeup. It's, I uh, think the lion guy's makeup is as good as Beverly's leather beret. <laughs> That's There's something strange here. The cell structures are badly distorted. It's as if they've been exposed to some kind of high energy field. Or oil paints. A weapon discharge? <laughs> it could be. Pastels, maybe. I'm picking up some faint traces of microcrystalline damage in the floor material. Here, I'll sketch the map for you. I'm not familiar with the pattern I'm getting. In pencil first, of course. Then we'll go over it in ink. <laughs> Who are you people? You didn't say anything about a weapon. I had... <laughs> Every take, he kept doing it like he was Jerry Seinfeld. Who are these people? <laughs> oh, no. God. <laughs> microcrystalline damage in the floor material. But I'm not familiar right with era. the pattern I'm getting. Why, you people? You didn't say anything about a weapon. I hadn't finished yet. You'll like this. The man got what was coming to him. When they knocked him down, one of them took out a weapon and fired. I don't usually... He was vaporized. I don't usually uh, go go in this direction with my comedy on this show. Uh, this guy looks really, really similar to a nutsack. I mean, I guess that depends on uh, the wrinkle ratio. I'm not saying saying, uh, from personal experience. I'm just saying my general sense. (laughs) (laughs) I wish every time Andy said a joke like that, the fanfare. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel good about it. Acting Captain's Log, Stardate 4713.5.2. Dr. Crusher has positively identified Captain Picard's DNA. There's no doubt now that he's dead. Uh, there's a little doubt. Come. Like they already gone into come as the uh, as the, as the captain doing? telling people to come in. I'm all right. I mean, what, is, what else is he supposed to be? He's supposed to be like, what is it? <laughs> he's like, come in. Come is very captainy. Crew's pretty shaken up. I'm no arranging shit. a memorial. I think you should be the one to deliver the eulogy. I think you'd be better at something like that. But Beverly, she knew him the longest. I know it's not going to be easy, but I think it's important that we face up to what's happened. You're in command now. This was very this scene. Yeah. Let's see. How do I how do I say this about this scene? What's he gonna say? What's it gonna be? This scene is terrible. No. Um <laughs> I thought it would be more elegant. This scene I don't know. I guess it's fun for them. They really get to have at it with each other. But like I have to say, every single one of Deanna Troy's points to her commanding officer are a thousand percent correct. Yes, that's like, fair. Why are you being a giant baby about this? <laughs> You're the fucking captain now. We got shit to do. It's interesting when they. I guess they did. We, they did, did this with Jordy a few episodes ago. It's interesting when they're like, but they're in grief, so we get to see this side of them being, you know more erratic than we usually see them 
Um, but it always doesn't. It, it, I don't know. This and the Jordy thing both seem a little bit like. All right, I guess I buy it, but it doesn't seem like it's the most logical progression of how his grief would affect him. The crew's looking to you for guidance. You don't understand. I Sorry, can't everybody. give the eulogy. I left a lot of silence there because I was yawning quietly, trying to. He was fighting. I was so really. Hard. I was just. I needed it. I was like, look, trying to look like for the play button. Pain. I was like, no, I gotta find the play button. If I can't Sorry. find the play button, the podcast stops. If was I good, if I, I was a good co-host, I would have uh, processed that <laughs> and vamped for that second. Well, the memorial service helps to give everyone a sense of completion. Helps them begin the healing process. That's exactly the point. I don't want to heal. Will. I have an open wound. Right here, it hurts like hell. I don't want it to get better. And I don't want to pretend that everything's all right. I know you're angry. You're damn right. And I intend to stay angry until I find whoever's responsible for the captain's death. Well, that's pretty selfish of you. It's also... Do you think you're the only one in pain? Yes, and... Kind of feel like this whole section, it's like, it's all schmuck bait. We all know that this isn't, that he's not going to be dead. Yes. And and so we're going through the motions of like, ah, he's, he's tearing himself up over this, really, just so we can have that moment to the reveal. But I kind of would prefer to watch, like, this one makes more sense as an episode where he would do what Jordy did, which is him go, nah, I don't buy that this went down that way. Maybe there's evidence of it. Maybe it's just he's like, nah, Picard would have found a way out. And maybe they leave, they you would have to write it a little differently. Um, I don't know. I think that would have made more sense. And it would have been less, I don't know, this, I don't know, I'm just not this buying is, this. This is soapy. Yes, it's soapy. That's a good point. Do you think you have the monopoly on loss? It's like the sitcom soap. Well, let me tell you something. We're all hurting, and we're all angry. And whether you like it or not, you have a responsibility to this crew. And you can't just indulge your personal desire for revenge. That is enough, Counselor. It seems off character for either of them to be shouting like this. And I understand that it's Picard, and so they're justifying, like, they're acting completely crazy because it's Picard. But I even feel like even if it was Picard, they might be sniping at each other. They wouldn't be full on shouting at each other. I also understand that it's it's Deanna and uh, and Riker, uh, so they know each other intimately. But I still don't buy it. Uh, I mean, it's just a weird tunnel shift to see all of a sudden, and and I think they maybe went a little hard for it, but. I, th- I also think valid points are set on both sides, but I'm, uh, I'm mostly taking Deanna's side. Deanna. I'm sorry. This is not about revenge. This is about justice. The captain died in a bar fight for nothing. Somebody has to answer for that. And I got a that big ship. Won. Shoot him up. Usually, I'm, when somebody dies pointlessly, you can't do anything. But I got a giant starship, and I'm gonna talk to Admiral Reasonable Guy. Did you catch his name? Uh, 
was it Chakote or it wasn't Cha? Was it? <laughs> it was Chakote. Very strange. Did it spell it the same way? Not in the not in the uh, subtitles. They spelled it with an E instead of an A. I am receiving a transmission from Admiral Chakote at Starbase Two Two Seven. Ah, Chakote. I'll take it in the. It's very different than Chakote. It's Ready not run. very different from Chakote. Well, obviously, you know, this name was floating around people's heads and they forgot. Or, Matt, was Chakote an admiral? He got kicked downstairs. He was so pissed off that he joined the Maquis. Maquis. That's probably it. (laughs) (laughs) I like the stretch of episodes with Sandra from the Cosby show as the helmsman. (laughs) Or as the ops officer. I like the stretch. I, I remember her, board. and I like her. And I was I'm on like, board at the beginning of the episode. By the end of the episode, I was on board. And I think they really handle, whenever they're sort of shorthanded on the bridge, it was kind of like the like the, the fill-in people. I just wish some of the fill-ins would stick. Yeah. I assume it was a financial issue. Yeah, an eighth regular. Sir, I read your report, Commander. My condolences to you and to your crew. Captain Picard's death is a loss to the entire Federation. Now, I see that you've asked to postpone your mission to the Argus sector. For what reason? I have a request, sir. I would like to conduct an investigation into Captain Picard's death. The Desican authorities have jurisdiction in this case, Commander. I know that, sir. Frankly, I don't have much confidence in the authorities on Desican too. There's every reason to believe that they're corrupt. Well, I suspect you're right. The question remains, are you the one to pursue this? The captain's death hit me pretty hard. And Is I this a reason? Completely objective. Uh, it's totally not a reason, but like, also I do like the Admiral, with no nefarious thoughts, just goes, hmm, okay. But there's no one who is more determined. I won't rest until I find out who's responsible. All right, Commander. <laughs> I'm officially placing the Enterprise on detached duty. That was new news. The mission is at your discretion. Detached duty? Good luck. What is that? Just, that's just like, all right, I'm going to place you in a zone where you can do anything you want. Well, it's pretty much like, look, you know, detached we're going we're gonna to not have any of your diplomatic normal missions or anything like that for a little while. You go do what you need to do. Ah, Commander Riker, I've been meaning to speak to you. I was wondering... If you could move me to better quarters, I, I don't care much for the decor here. These are the best quarters we have. <laughs> I was hoping now that you've had a chance to relax, you might have remembered some of the details about the aliens you saw. Something you may have forgotten before. Sorry. Um, you know the other thing I would have liked to see the- in the Admiral scene? I think you would have hated this. <laughs> but it's such a, it's such a cop thing. It's such a cop movie thing. <laughs> I would have liked him to to kind of like uh, go. You're off this case. You're not doing it. You're too involved. And then uh, and then Riker go off and just sort of sneakily sure you <laughs> continue go. the mission anyway. You go rogue like every James Bond movie the past twenty years. Yeah, and Mission Impossible movie. Boring. We've seen it, Andy. But what we haven't like seen what we haven't seen is a reasonable admiral, which is why I liked the scene. It's the first time he doesn't call him first name. He doesn't go, Will, I read your report. 
He doesn't go. He's a little stiff. That's true. But I need you to get out of my face because I'm evil secretly. Uh, and he didn't go like, if you don't fucking do this, I'm taking command of the ship. You know. I think like, you're right. However, isn't he? Isn't he maybe wrong here? Like, isn't Riker incredibly emotional? <laughs> yeah, but like, whatever. All right, they've done enough. You know. Remember Riker at the Battle of Wolf three five nine. This man saved the Federation from the Borg. Okay. Maybe this guy's a descendant of the Reasonable Admiral in uh, Enterprise. <laughs> a Reasonable Admiral lineage is strong. So you know who they are? And you know where I can find them? Perhaps I do. What do you want? Not a great deal, Commander. Just a shuttlecraft. I believe I'd like to travel for a while. See more of the galaxy. You understand. A shuttlecraft? Well, here's my offer. Instead of the ship. I'll give you some time. Time? If you're lucky, you'll only spend the next five years in prison instead of the next 20. He throws the file on a desk. Shines <laughs> some light on him. Takes away his stake. <laughs> Worf comes in, tells him, no, no, don't hurt him. Let me talk to him. And then finally, Andy likes Star Trek. <laughs> What's the source? Now, that's the kind of scene I like to see. He's sweating it out of him. ...to localize, but they could be emissions from some kind of power converter. Which would indicate a base or a ship. What else do we know about Baratus Three? The planet was used as an outpost for the Debrun approximately 2,000 years ago. The Federation's archaeological survey has cataloged numerous ruins on the surface. Mr. Worf. I'd like a security detail to accompany the away team to the surface. I'll lead the away team. Jordy, you're with me. Mr. Data, you have the bridge. Aye, sir. Commander. As acting first officer, I must question your decision to accompany the away team. If Captain Picard were here... He's not. I realize that, sir. But if he were, and he wanted to lead an away team, you would tell him that the captain's place is on the bridge. Not this time. That's what he's going to do when he's captain. That has nothing to do with it being this time. That's just the kind. Of, he's more of a Kirk guy. Uh, there is a weird, uh, we don't have to go back to it, but at the end of that interrogation scene, Riker turns around and, and says, I think, to on the, uh, on the comm, like, warp six. And he sort of smiles at the guy. And I'm like, what is that about? <laughs> like, he's saying it almost cocky, but it's like, you go warp six, you're not even going top warp. It's like, you're like smiling at him, like, we're going to take our time. <laughs> warp six. And you know what? Make it extra slow. <laughs> it's odd. Here's a, here's a double, a double step up with Riker and Jordy on the rocks. <laughs> They both got a little captain it's in them. It's tough to get accurate sensor readings. There's <laughs> they do. There's a lot of interference in the area. <laughs> <laughs> Someone should create this as a gif that turns into a massive explosion. When their knees, it's like, someone do that, please. The time index fucking, I kept saying time index like I'm a, like a Dora sister. 1542. Riker's got a leg up. Jordy's got a leg, puts his leg up. It's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's very unlocalized, but it could be atmospheric. What do you make of these? Uh, 
sorry this is I think this is outdoors but it feels like it's a set I wonder if it's this looks like that part of Griffith Park where you shoot everything whenever you do a camping scene oh maybe it's like that like right next to the golf course Riker was taken. We've got one casualty, and Commander Riker has been in that taken scene. Captain. Also, there's a they uh, both Jordy and Riker dive out of the out of the way of phaser fire, and they dive incredibly high, like they do not try to avoid being shot on the way down of diving out of the phaser fire. They teach at the academy, Andy, is you never want to get hit in the leg by a phaser. You just say, so always go high. <laughs> just go for the. Not my leg. This is also, that was Sorry. also a moment when I was like, okay, you're going to lead the team. You're leaving Data up there? And I understand somebody's got to run the ship, but isn't Data going to be more useful as in the landing party? Data should have gone to the landing party. Yeah. And Riker should have stayed up there. Data's third in command. Yep. Now, now he's the first officer. Now he's in charge. I love I love when Data's in charge. As long as he's not taking over the ship with some embedded command code from Dr. Sung. The mercenaries this, have though, beamed a- That's something that obviously we would have thought of. They wanted to do their story where he's in command, which I think is great, because we haven't seen that. We haven't seen him be the captain of the yes, we've we seen have. him be the captain of the on the in the sort of whatever in the test Duras. maneuvers thing no in the civil war with the Dora sisters he was the captain of the ship and then he had that thing with the first officer who didn't want to serve under a robot wasn't wasn't that a separate I don't it, know it wasn't the Enterprise thing? that's but what it, I'm saying but it was a starship yeah but that started as like some kind of maneuver right or some kind of a well, it was, oh, oh, oh. they were trying to piece together a fleet, you know. So they oh, okay, that, and, that's what that was, right, right, yeah, but yeah. not never the Enterprise, and it, it is nice to see. Uh, yeah, I feel like Scotty was left in charge more often. Well, that, that's because Kirk and Spock always went on the planet, so Scotty was yeah. always in charge of the ship. Way, they must have a base or a ship nearby. Can the sensors locate anything? Base or a ship, or possibly a shack, uh, maybe a shanty, uh, possibly maybe a car, a boat. Could it be a boat? Worf, calm down. (laughs) Just they just got the jump on us, and I'm so mad about it. We're picking up a vessel leaving orbit. Why was it not detected earlier? They could have been using the planet as a shield. Sir, they are powering up their weapon systems. Ray shields. Red alert. I feel like he has like a sub program of like how to sit in a chair when you're in command. <laughs> I don't, that seems like it is. Seems like something's kicked in. It also seems like maybe data is like, oh, I should mimic. Yes, Picard. I think that's exactly not Picard even. I think it's like an amalgamation of every general. captain. Every yeah, captain. Could be. Could it's be. like when Saru in Discovery goes to study who the like Robert April and Archer and like he's like when he's left in command of Discovery. He's like, computer, uh, show me most decorated captains in Starfleet. And then, like, he tries to find a common thing between them. But, like, here, what Data is doing is, like, he probably went to the holodeck and was like, I need to study every captain on the on in Starfleet history and do a, a vague imitation of all of them. 
He's doing a good job. Point seven and holding. I think they're at their maximum. Take us to warp nine and pursue. Lock phasers on target. Sir, we should be within phaser range in 23 seconds. Switching to long range scanners. That's a good little graphic. Commander, out there. the sensor image of that ship yeah. is extremely weak. It's fading. The ship doesn't register on the long range sensors. I'm sorry, sir. We've lost them. Increase the sensor field bandwidth. Patch in the lateral sensor arrays. At first, I thought she was kind of giving a dry performance. It's no good. But then I the thought, signal's gone. It's kind of an accu- accurate to how a, uh, uh, someone at ops would be acting. Yes. And I'm also, sort of just she, dryly giving she the is also an account. android and has been studying data. Oh, nice, interesting subtext. Yeah. <laughs> just disappeared. Plot a course and take us back to Baratus 3. Notify the away team to prepare for transport. Aye, sir. Touch and go down warp. <laughs> Starfleet intelligence. You don't need to do that. that. A ship matching this configuration has been linked to raids on several other planets in this sector. For the short time it was within our visual range, we were able to take sensor readings of the mercenary vessel. It appears to be encased in an energy-absorbing material. Although we can see the ship, this energy sheath renders it virtually undetectable to our long-range sensors. And my there personal opinion is it looks like a bug. Data. I know this is a long. So I've decided to launch 400 GoPros into space. <laughs> Since we can see it, but our sensors can't pick it up. Long shot. But if I remodulate the long range sensor array, I might be able to make it sensitive enough to detect the ship. Without a full compositional analysis of the energy sheath, our chances of finding the correct remodulation sequence are remote. Sir, they have taken Commander Riker. We must do something. We cannot just sit here. On the contrary, Lieutenant. That is precisely what we must do. This is so weird. When he sits, he literally just sits there and puts his hands together. He steeples them almost. It's, yeah, he's really... Since there are no viable alternatives, we will return to the surface and attempt to determine what these mercenaries are doing on this planet. An investigation might reveal some indication of their purpose. Please notify <laughs> me when you have assembled your search <laughs> No one has ever been left in charge that Worf wasn't steamed at. Is that true? Uh, I, mean, I feel like, honestly, frankly, Worf is kind of disrespecting him. Like he definitely he's dis- comes everybody. up against. He definitely comes up against. You know, obviously, he's o- constantly saying something is being shot down. But I feel like he's being disrespectful. He's not like. Well, like when Data is the fur, Data's left in charge of. Is it the next episode where Worf becomes promoted to first officer? And Data is the captain? You'll see you'll see more of it in the next episode. Okay. I believe. Um he really goes he really goes uh he really goes cuckoo bananas. Cuckoo bananas. Or as Henry says, cook nanas. <laughs> Do you use cuckoo bananas around him that much? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Either he's being cuckoo bananas, or his mother is cuckoo bananas, or Dita, me, is being cuckoo bananas. All right. Anyway, back to this. You're Dita. I am. <laughs> that kid can't say daddy. <laughs> oh boy. What's the problem? 
I warned you not to push the engine so hard. Two of the power shunts are on the verge of collapse. We'll be lucky if we can maintain warp six. How long will it take to repair? I can try to realign the warp. This crew, this crew feels, and has always felt to me like this crew is in a movie that Mystery Science Theater is making fun of. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I cannot, I can't for the life of me tell you why it feels like that. Maybe it's all of the hair, all of the makeup. We give one guy a mullet for some reason. It's very, well, I don't know. This might go along with kind of what I was saying. It's very sort of cable sci-fi as a, you know, a side journey from Star Trek. Um, but, uh, you know, Robin Curtis on the crew. Yeah, Savick, which is delightful because, you know, I only knew it was her because her ears were pointed. Boo. I just recognize Eight available in five hours, and I don't want to hear your excuses. What were you doing on Baratus 3? William T. Riker, Commander, SC, 231-427. Oh, really? Well, I am Octus Baran, and I don't have a number. Now, what were you doing on Baratus 3, Commander? We were studying the ruins. It was a scientific expedition. Don't patronize me. Those ruins have been studied for centuries. There's nothing new to learn from them. Then what were you doing there? Oh, don't bother, Commander. You can't remove it. It's a neural servo connected directly to your nervous system. It lets me control precisely how much pain you feel. The setting is usually sufficient. However, if you and I had this, we would never stop shocking each other. We would fall asleep. We'd both fall asleep. <laughs> Um, and this is obviously uh, Richard Lynch, who but I had so many claim to fames that I couldn't even like. They, they, none of them were like huge ones, but they were like you know, Battlestar Galactica, you know, Eight Men Out, uh, Sword and the Sorcerer, like just so many. This guy's the just the constant death TV sport and movie villain death sport. <laughs> um, he was also in Buck Rogers in everything well that's that's why he is you know he's got a great face for a villain and he had this uh, this guy recognized immediately even in the prosthetics that's how characteristic his face and his eyes are although I guess most of his face is the same <laughs> thank you go much higher <laughs> oh, sorry. it's dangerous having someone from Starfleet on board Dangerous. Might be profitable. A Starfleet commander is a valuable hostage. Starfleet won't negotiate with us, but they'll pursue us as long as we have him. This discussion is over. Get back to your post, Vega. They're right, Baran. These people never run away. And you know it. I say kill him. Now. Very well. Oh. <laughs> oh my 
Gambit did not work. <laughs> I'm going to have to explain this to everyone eventually. <laughs> I don't need a consensus to run this ship, Galen. Can you imagine? Because he would have told the truth. Picard yes. wouldn't have lied. Just going back and going, uh, I was trying to do a thing where I, uh, you know, built up their confidence in Riker. Uh, because the guy hated me, so I told them to shoot him, and then he did. So, <laughs> whoopsie, didn't whoopsie. work. Is the long and the short. <laughs> What's going on? I'm bypassing the aft plasma couplings. The power loss should only last for a few seconds. You should learn not to limit your options. Riker could be very useful to us in the future. He may not be as useful as you think. If this is the same Riker that I've heard about. What Riker might that be? Commander of the Enterprise, formerly assigned to the USS Hood. That's right. And you must be the William T. Riker with a history of insubordination. He was even once relieved of duty during the Cardassian incident at Minos Corva. How do you know all this? Look, I've been smuggling artifacts from Federation sites for years. You can't help they, developing a familiarity. Again, at least call it out that it's just like, what? How do you know all this? Like, at least, at least they call it out, and so they kind of, you know, he tries to smooth it over with like, ah, eh, they're my enemies. I, I try and find out stuff about them. But it's still preposterous. But at least they call it out. They, they they do the things that you and I would make fun of, and at least they're doing the other thing that we usually request, yes. which is at least just call it out. So i got to give them a little credit, but nonetheless. ...with certain Starfleet personnel. If we hadn't have captured him, he'd probably have ended up before a court-martial. I've gotten out of them before. Look, he's no use to us. Finish him now. Let me do it for you. Watch him. We're accelerating. What have you done? It has nothing to do with my repairs. I think there's a malfunction in the engine's intermix chamber. All right, so we get this wacky dude, uh, all set up by, by, I almost called him McCoy, but his name is Picard. <laughs> Plasma pressure is dropping. We're back into safe levels. If you want to make sure that doesn't happen again, you'd better reinitiate your regulator subcompressors. A full diagnostic of your intermix chamber wouldn't hurt either. Do it. Put them in quarters for now. You still wish you'd killed me? You're like playing a cocky. You piece of shit. <laughs> so stupid. You're just a stupid person with a stupid look on you. All right, Branker, mm -hmm. just knock it off. You fucking bald garbage man. <laughs> it's possible that the microcrystalline damage I found in these indentations is the result of some kind of high-energy transporter beam. But I still don't understand... There's nothing here that's particularly valuable. Why would anyone want to steal any of these things? 
Perhaps these artifacts have a special value to the Romulans. The Romulans? These structures were built by the Debrun. That race is an ancient offshoot of the Romulans. The ruins on the planet where Captain Picard was killed were also Romulan in origin. The leader of the group that attacked us was Romulan. Perhaps they are controlling the mercenaries. Question remains, why are they stealing these artifacts? interesting because there's also there's a politeness that is being removed from data's performance it's one of the most effective subtle shifts that makes total organic sense to the data character that i've seen like in the performance yeah it does it does seem like very like all of the um just the tone is communicating. This is not up for discussion. I'm giving yes. you information. And also, but like all of the warmth he's always tried to convey to be a human, it just goes out the window. Yeah, which kind of makes sense. It's a logical choice. Looks like they did a pretty thorough job. The only sites not attacked were on Calder 2, Yadala Prime, and Draken 4. Yadala and Draken are at the far end of the sector, but Calder 2... That's less than a day from here at maximum warp. That would be their next likely target. According to this, there's a Federation outpost at Calder 2. But it is only a small science station. It has limited defensive capabilities. I do not believe it could withstand an attack from the mercenary ship. Mr. Worf, send a message to the Federation outpost on Calder 2. Advise them that if a ship matching the configuration of mercenary vessel approaches, they should attempt to delay it till our arrival. Ensign. Take us out of orbit. Set a course for the Calder system. Warp 9. Hi, sir. You don't want to go maximum warp, sir? No. <laughs> no. What do we, I put this unnecessary stress. We're going to beat them there anyway. We want to go, surprise, uh, it's us, fuckers. <laughs> what? Seems like it would have been uh, helpful if they got into that battle even a little earlier. <laughs> um... If, oh, uh, so... Here's a question. Mm-hmm. They're down on the planet now. Yeah, so everybody's out of commission all the way down to George, to, to Worf um, off the bridge. Yeah. Is it Beverly who's in charge then? Uh, no, it would probably be someone like that tactical officer. Really? Beverly would still be needed in sickbay as the chief medical officer. Oh, her rank won't wouldn't be superseded. No, I wouldn't kick her up to being in command. I don't think. Gotcha. That was a skeleton crew situation. I see. I didn't expect to meet you here. I was looking for the people who killed you on the surface. A witness said they saw you vaporized. These mercenaries use weapons that can activate their transporter. Like some kind of remote control, Will. I've never seen any kind of technology like it. <laughs> you just described it as a remote control. Yes, but this is different. It's a transporter. It gives them the opportunity to beam things away quickly just by firing at them. That's what they did to me. I don't understand any of this. Who are these people? Matt was what are you doing uh, involved with them? theorizing this, this kind of technology in the Discovery episode we were using as a possible uh, uh, thing that a ship could use to... Uh, to transport other ships. And then I pointed out, you know, that's going to be in Gambit. And he's like, listen, dipshit. They already did it. 
they did it in the in the far far past. <laughs> there, there, it did a long time ago. Okay, bye. The site that I wanted to study had been raided. One of the artifacts had been stolen. The site had been practically destroyed. Well, I wanted to find out who was responsible. I tracked them to that bar on Desica too. I must have asked too many questions. They captured me. They wanted to find out how much I knew about that operation. And then you became part of the crew. I convinced them I was a smuggler and that my name was Galen. I always I wanted to be named Galen. The artifacts I always thought it would be much cooler than Jean-Luc. <laughs> Imagine Galen Picard. Oh, so cool. These are not common thieves. They are stealing Romulan artifacts from archaeological sites throughout this sector. Baran has me analyzing each one of them for a particular particle signature. Well, they are looking for a specific artifact. Why? That's what we have to find out. Baran is the key. I think that he knows more about what we're really looking for than anyone else on this ship. I want you to get close to him. Try and get his confidence. That's why you set up the engine failure, because you know that I'd be able to fix it. He also believes that you're a less than perfect Starfleet officer. Well, I want you to play into that role. Baran and I, well, he doesn't care very much for me. But he has to tolerate me, because he needs my help with these artifacts. But if you and I become enemies, then there's a better chance of you and he becoming friends. This is Picard's greatest vacation. <laughs> this is much, much more he fun is, for him than that. Uh, so delighted. To it's like basically what he turned Risa into. Yeah, he's like, we can play act and take down some pirates. What could be better? <laughs> Literally nothing will pretend we don't like each other. It'll be I so want fun. you to be my Vash in this <laughs> adventure we're on. Vash. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> it also, he really is really overselling the whole let's not roll in, destroy the colony, and take what we need, which seems to be yeah. a very easy way to get their thing. Yeah. When their shields go down, we could beam the artifacts up here without ever leaving the ship. Why would Riker help us? Just because he's out of favor with Starfleet doesn't mean that he's ready to betray them. If he doesn't help us, we'll have to destroy the outpost and kill everyone on it. He's still a Starfleet officer. He won't want to take innocent lives if we can possibly prevent it. The last time we engaged Starfleet, we lost a man. We can't afford any more casualties. If we can avoid a battle, I think we should. All right, we'll try it. We'll be at Calder 2 within five hours. You all know your duties. I want this ship prepared for battle. In case your plan doesn't work. Um, all right. Then we have Robin Curtis. The analysis done faster. He can do it himself. If he wants it done correctly, he can wait. Do you enjoy living dangerously, Galen? Moran can kill you in an instant if he activates his control device. I doubt that he'll do that. I've increased the accuracy of the identification process by a factor of 10. 
and the best person to analyze these artifacts. Baran knows that. He may need you now. But I know Baran. And I can tell you, he's not going to back down forever. You accomplish nothing by provoking him. I don't like operating in the dark. I knew what the point of this mission were. Why I was analyzing these relics. If Baran felt it were wise to let the crew know that, I'm sure he would have. Do you know what all this is about? What Baran knows, I know. And what's going on here? Why are we risking our lives taking these artifacts? Who wants them? I see no reason to tell you anything. But you can rest assured. I don't necessarily share everything I know with Baran, either. This conversation, for example, will stay between us. You can tell Baran every word that I've said. He knows that I don't think much of him as a leader. He's been in charge of this crew for a long time. Baran wouldn't last five minutes as captain if he didn't have that control device. As captain of a Federation star. I mean, as captain of this <laughs> ship. Uh, here. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the crew follow him because they have no choice. Baran's power is based on fear and intimidation. It's true. That almost sounds like a prelude to mutiny. If someone were to challenge him, the rest of the crew would follow. I was right. You do like living dangerously. I like you, Galen. What if they just he he just peeled the the thing off, the uh, pain patch off, and then she was like, "Oh my god, no one's ever just tried to peel it off." <laughs> we just assumed <laughs> he there just, was no way to. He peel told it off. us, and if I if we didn't believe him, I thought he would just give us more pain anyway. So I just believed him. <laughs> I can tolerate a lot from someone like you, but only to a point. I intend to complete this mission successfully and get what's been promised me. If it looks as though you're getting in the way of that, I'll deal with you myself. It's interesting that Robin Curtis was in uh, Voyage Home in 86. Yeah. And you would think that would give her kind of a movie bump. Uh, but it's mostly just TV parts. You don't get a movie bump from doing a TV movie. I mean, no, she I mean a movie Voyage based Home. on a TV franchise is what I meant. Uh, it seems like a very specific, I mean... It was 1986. I, I think everyone was I would say Kirstie Alley did. She made a jump to television. I think she succeeded yes, in the long run in television, she but she was in a bunch of look movies. Who's talking. And that movie with Tim Allen, where they're uh, they 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 had money and then they don't have money, live with the Amish. What about Runaway with Tom Selleck? I don't remember Runaway. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, it's a sci-fi movie. It's a future future cops. Okay, future cops. I like future cops. That's what this episode should have been, been. Future cops. I could be wrong, but this he, this guy Lynch might have been the villain in that. Let me look it up. It wasn't him. It was somebody definitely like him. That would be so funny. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Let's see. Michael Crichton wrote and directed it. Of course But it's did. very silly. But your outpost is in imminent danger of attack. <laughs> no, you know who the villain was? Who I can't was believe it? I don't remember this. 
<laughs> Gene Simmons. <laughs> Gene Simmons of Kiss? Correct. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would like to station security personnel on the surface for your protection. Now, I'm ordering you to drop your shields. I'm sorry, sir, but the regulations are very specific. I can't do it. If you'd like, you can remain in orbit until we contact the Science Council. But we're experiencing some communication difficulties right now, so that... This is now, this guy, he knows what the scoop is, and he's not indicating anything. That is that is some amazing specific acting by that guy on the screen. Oh, I don't think he knew what the scoop was. No, he did, because they the data called ahead. They didn't, he didn't necessarily know what was going on oh. you know, exactly on the ship, but he knew <laughs> I missed to that anticipate part. that ship. And he was now, playing, playing it cool. I'm ordering you to drop your shields. I'm sorry, sir, but the regulations are very specific. I can't do it. If you'd like, you can remain in orbit until we contact the Science Council. But we're experiencing some communication difficulties right now, so that... This isn't working. They're delaying on purpose. Someone has warned them. Charge main disruptor array. Destroy the outpost. No, there's no time for that. Stop it, we'll be here any minute. There's no time for that thing that'll be much quicker. What are you doing? Impressive that he finds I'm a way to the disruptors to fire a phase resonant pulse. If I can hit their shield generator with precisely the right frequency, I should be able to take it out with one shot. Firing. The shields are down. The artifacts should be located in several small structures arranged in staggered formations. I'm scanning. So what would they have done if the Enterprise I- didn't show up? What do you, they just had to have killed all these people? No, they just would beam everything up. All the artifacts. Like, this worked. Picard's thing worked, right? No, it didn't. They, 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 the shields came back up before the all the artifacts were beamed up. Hmm. Well, that's because the Enterprise was there, I think. That's what I'm saying. So what if the Enterprise hadn't shown up? Then they would have just let the shields drop and, and beam everything up. I'm guessing. Who would have let the shields drop? Like, cool as a cucumber guy we saw. But they don't know what's going on. Yes, They're they not do. They were warned. With they were warned. So you're saying if they, they weren't were warned, warned, I'm saying that Data warned them. Yeah, that this ship was coming, so to be prepared. But Data didn't warn them about this weird subterfuge that was going on because he doesn't know with with Picard and Riker. So I guess I'm saying the the people the guy on the surface is like. All right, I'm going to play along because I don't know what's going on, and you're clearly a Starfleet officer, but I'm not going to lower the shields. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Picard figures out a way to lower the shields. Yeah. Buys them some time. Yeah. Then the shields come back up. Yeah. And then the and then they're lucky that the Enterprise shows up. But what if the Enterprise hadn't shown up? What would Picard and Riker have done? Mm, something else. Yeah, I think they just would have had to shoot all these people. I think they would have just done a double axe handle on everybody they could find. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Just boom, boom. Okay. I've lost transporter lock. They managed to get their shields back up. I need those artifacts. Lock all disruptors on target. This time I want that outpost destroyed. What Picard would have done in that moment before. He probably would have pretended that the phasers didn't work or something. Oh, the, the phasers don't work. I oh I right, let me uh, just remember how to shoot these phasers. Just hold on. I I haven't done this in a while. I'm now senile. <laughs> it's the aromatic syndrome. 
What? I mean, before we uh, shoot the phasers at the planet, uh, you have to remember uh, the disruptors. You have you have to give me some props for knocking out the shields. That was pretty great, huh? Maybe, can I get a little high five? Huh? <laughs> Directed on their aft deflectors. They are undamaged. Ensign, scan for Starfleet combat signals. Is Commander Riker aboard that ship? I can't tell, sir. Sensors are unable to penetrate their hull. Open a channel. Open. Good performance. This is the Federation Starship Enterprise. You are ordered to stand down. Drop your shields and prepare to be boarded. You sent them a message. You told them where to find us. That's ridiculous. When did I have a chance? This is set to kill. Order your ship to disengage. Activate visual. Commander, are you all right? Tell him. Mr. Data, withdraw the Enterprise. That's an order. That is impossible, sir. The ship you are on has violated a Federation outpost. It is my duty to stop it. I'm your commanding officer. I'm giving you a direct order. Understood? <laughs> um, Deanna? Why don't you read your Imzadi's brain? <laughs> yeah, and can figure you figure out the subterfuge? <laughs> use your s- the only reason that you're on you this can ship. Empathically, and... <laughs> like literally, empathically communicate with him. Like you have that ability to talk to him without anyone else hearing. Yep. Yeah, whatever. Commander, if you could explain, he's too I've far away in this particular I'm circumstance. Not about to start now. Not about to let him blow this ship into space. If I can set up a low-level comm link between the two ships, maybe it'll pay off in the second episode. Deactivate the shields. Do it. I mean, he finds another way to do it. Sir, we are receiving some kind of signal from the mercenary ship. These are Commander Riker's access codes. He is attempting to shut down our shields. That doesn't make sense. He knows those codes would have been changed as soon as he was captured. Unless we were Voyager. That's correct, Counselor. That's, I was just thinking he does that. does know. I guess Mr. Tuvok Wolf. missed that day. Prepare to drop shields. Sir, we would be totally defenseless. I'm aware Worf of that. Is being so Sir, here. as soon as they see us. Mr. Worf, that is an order. I will Why does he have to go that far? It's ridiculous. You've seen enough shit, Worf. Come on. Worf is very obtuse all the time. I feel like he's been less so in recent seasons. Fire. Of course, there's that side theory that he's only not obtuse on the planet. To be continued. Uh, one other thing, uh, Robin Curtis was in an, a fan-made audio drama called Star Trek Star Trek Excelsior. We should check that out. We should definitely check that out. Everybody, <laughs> Andy and I are going to wrap this up now, but I assure you, as soon as we're done, we're checking that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the MVC, yeah, the end. Get over there! <sighs> Is it Galen? <laughs> <laughs> Who's I guess Data? 
seems to be on top of everything. I know. Uh, Frankly, the Picard stuff doesn't even as of yet, this might be a problem problem with this episode, doesn't even as of yet seem to have stakes other than him wanting to find out about the archaeology pieces and what they're doing. Right, right. The stakes are, we got to stop this pirate. But also, I need to learn everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I think uh, Data has a higher level of difficulty, and I think he's handling it pretty well. Yeah, okay. Although, you know, Picard is doing some cool stuff with protecting the, the outpost. However, he's protecting the outpost to get this information that we don't know how important it is. And yet. also, we have Data already protecting the outpost, so. That is true. Because the, you know, I think in a, in, a, in a direct fight, in a direct battle... The Enterprise would probably destroy that ship pretty easily, I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Dan, too. How many Andy's does this episode get? Oh, we forgot to write our things down. Oh, uh, well, I would have written down a five, and uh-huh. I would s- probably stick with a five. Right. In the, in the sense of, like, it's certainly an average episode of Star Trek and uh, nothing particularly unwatchable about it or anything like that. And, you know, the performances are enjoyable. Some soapy stuff or some... I like seeing Data in Command. and But, like, you know, it's a weird first half because it's so disorienting because Picard starts with no Picard and we don't really know what's happening. We're all playing catch-up. I like episodes that sort of start disorienting and they get into it and I didn't have a problem and and even for all my bitching about the the uh the the cantina you know aspect of it yeah. I like that we start and like ooh what's going on where's Picard what's the mission what's happening here it's just even that scene is kind of like logy until Beverly comes in pointing the gun <laughs> um um and then the next section is Picard's dead, and that's sort of dramatically unsatisfying. I love the data in charge scenes. I think uh-huh. that's they're super fun and cool, and I love the characterization of data, and I like the new ops person. And uh, I don't know. In the end, it's a lot of yammering to say I probably land about the same. Maybe <laughs> 5.5. All right. You can like it a little more than me. It's okay. Yep. It'll be interesting Thanks, to see what I think about it after watching the second one because again it's been some years since I watched the second one but I do remember there being more stuff in it that I enjoyed in the second half so I mean tune in next week everybody yeah do we watch the trailer for the next episode uh yeah for the two parter alright yeah here we go Guess we'll find out pretty Picard soon. and Riker turn traitor. I've had a change of profession. And join a renegade ship of mercenaries. It is time that we had a new commander. In assembling one of the most devastating weapons ever conceived. This is the power of the mind. But how far will they go in this deadly game? Kill him. Is he dead? Yes. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Well, there you go. Finally, Picard gets to kill Riker. <laughs> I've been waiting for it. Well, look, I wish Jellica were here. 
always my answer. But uh, for? Uh, for always... Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Well, okay, let's hang on. We're gonna stop while I pull those. You know what, Andy? What, Matt? We've been recording for two hours. But I feel like we could go another 20 or 30 minutes. Sounds good to me, buddy. You know how we should do that? By saying thank you to the Patreon President Circle members. <laughs> the United Federation of Planets President Circle. Oh, yes, Andy, we're back in the President Circle, Dirkle, Workle. What are we saying? We, uh... What we we had thanked this? our uh, our June uh, president circle members uh, in the last episode because we were so far behind, and uh, now we gotta thank our July president circle members. Uh, sometimes I feel like July is the best month. That's Me a too, lie. Bro. I don't like July. It's too hot. Too hot is exactly right. Yeah. And being an August baby, I don't like August either. Too hot. What does that have to do with you being a, a baby? <laughs> like I was born in the heat. I see. So you think I'd like embrace it, you know? Right. Yeah, it's like you know, I, I should be the bane of uh, heat. I was born <laughs> You're the in bane it. of heat. I he was born you? in it. You're <laughs> merely son of the darkness. I was born in it. Sometimes the creatures that are born into things, then that's what they're most comfortable in. I was born into the heat, Batman. So I became Heat Master. <laughs> but Doctor no. Heat. We went the other way, and I strongly dislike the heat. All right. So Andy, let's thank the following great, 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 great people. Let me say thank you to Kathy Wagner, JB, Carter Parent, Lee Dickerson, Tim King, Cody Shaver, Drew Taylor, Mark Brugger, Neil McCann. Ben Sautel, Ephraim, Steve, Mithrandir, Morgan and Les on the Ocean, Samantha Navarro, thank you, Phil the Killer, DM Johnson, Jessica Wright, SDF Prowler, what if Phil DM Johnson here, what if he was uh, not the Killer Dungeon Master, he was actually just confessing to a murder uh, in the Patreon, <laughs> in his Patreon name, Phil the Killer DM Johnson. Uh, SDF Prowler, Thomas Evans, Nicholas Lindner, Daniel Duval, Sean Baham, probably Sean Bam, I would say, maybe. John Eckley, Dominic Zapita, Alex Mitchell, Ben Miller, Rail Goodall, Elliot Kingdon, Rich Christensen, Jane Lindgren, Jeremy, Jeffrey Jocks, TYMC. Robert Mashburn, B-Matt. Sounds like Batman. I was born in the heat. <laughs> Dr. Boner Wizard. So glad you finally passed the boards and got your PhD. Mr. Boner Wizard. I'm sorry. Dr. Boner Wizard. Rachel Kelly. Suzanne Wilson. Christian Martinez. Philip Laley. Ellis Merritt. Michael Murphy. Donk. 2015. Andrew D. Meyer, William Noel, Monsieur Hops, Kevin Smith, Wes Wallace, 
David Chaffetz. Chaffetz, probably. A Klingon woman wielding a Macleth. Or Macleth? Yes. Zach Kerr, Chris, Kristen Bracken, Steph Hackett, Rachel Waltmeyer, Moreland, 10 forward, Gamma Shift, Shift Manager. <laughs> Thomas Bowater, Jacob Perique, Candice Homan, Arnon, William Black, Matthew, Asakanian, Valerie Rorick, Christopher, Chris Christofferson, Larry, Jarleth McGrath, probably. Jennifer Koffenbarger. Lauren, the Elorian, is down on the planet getting weird. Berman, Berman, Braga, Braga. <laughs> Victor Romero. Gordon Burnett. Joey Trashbags. L, like Good you, but five bags. better. Timothy Doherty. Andy and I did talk over each other. We're not out of sync. No. Uh, Maladin from Michigan. Vince Butler. Matthew Bitts. Joseph Lanter. Sean. Ian Clark. Beth Baldwin. Beep. Boop. Boop. Beep. Christy. Thank you. Lieutenant Zach Smith. Bonnie Latreal. Kyle White. Martin Thomas Couture. Jennifer Cable. Lieutenant Brad Harris. Lieutenant John Douglas Forrest. Lieutenant Christopher Montoya. David Fiola, Stuart Allen, story by Rick Berman and Brian Braga. Eric Peebles, Lieutenant Megan Brady-Wright, Matthew Holmes, Lainsa, Jeffrey's Hologram, please leave a message. John Dews, thank you to Angel Cruz, thank you to Christine Assad, thank you to Martha, thank you to Michelle Hanna, thank you to Kit Gates, Lieutenant Keats, Mr. The Ultimate Trekker, Jonathan Munoz, or Munoz, Jean Marie Short, Lieutenant Laura Mc. Laura Kincaid, who we heard from her. Laura Kincaid, uh, Ivan Bemshot, Adam Ambassador James Holloway with diplomatic immunity, Lieutenant Roberto, Lieutenant on, that, Christopher does that, does L. That Mitchell. Andy's accent corner. Sure. It's going to be shit. It's more of a really lethal weapon, too, accent than I an know, accent. but like, it's an accent. Sure. <laughs> Lieutenant John Macy, thank you to Pizza Shrapnel. Matty H, Rob Wisdom, John Matthews, Niles Endereg, AJ, MST3, Katie. Thank you to Sean Cameron, Benjamin Garcia, Craig Little, Archer Palms, a.k.a. Vertinginousness. Matt, Matty Chappie. I have to really push that one out of my That's brain. Funny. Zach like your Enberg. Brain, the brain, when you're reading these, just sort of like, it just collapses in on itself every so often. It doesn't. I do the same exact thing, and it's so bizarre. You're trying to pronounce it as you're saying it. Yeah. Natasha Harrison. Lieutenant Patrick Daniel Weiss. Or Weiss? Lord Commander Daniel Bond. Isaac Aboatsit. Joel Larens. Alexander Markowitz. Garrett Avalar. Avalar? Gregory. <laughs> Gregory. See? <laughs> Gregory Darian. David Landau. Don the Don Johnson. D. Nettleton. Holder Luxana. Troy. Medal of Valor and Sacred Chalice of Ricks. But least of all, Thomas Nettleton's brother, Timothy Cesarano. Nurthagawa's fifth line, cue the music. Lieutenant Hannah Silver, Husker Danny B, J.R. Johnson, Lucas, Justine Adamek, Lieutenant Mad Seb, Walter, Jeff McGregor, Flying Octopus of the Northwest, the mediocre and average Doug. Jakeman91, Carrie Hunter, Jason Leach. Adam Ringland, 
Lieutenant Kevin S. Brooks, Lieutenant Adam R. Murray. Thank you to I the Cat, Shelly, Queen of the Shellyak, Vasile, Jeffrey Maddox, Lieutenant Katie Brozek. Thank you to Corey Culbert, Ian Werner, Zach McGrath, and Lieutenant Matthew Smith. I'm so mad that I couldn't. I had the five line thing queued up in preparation, and and it's gone. I don't know where it is. Ah, Matt. Matt, Matt, Matt. <laughs> We're almost there, buddy. Don't worry about I'm it. I'm so sorry, everybody. Jennifer Weiner. Duncan Delp. Ugly bag of mostly was, water. Big show. Jeff Weiner, wasn't it? What did I say? Jennifer. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so weird. Anyway. Ugly bag of mostly water. Igsha. <laughs> Jacob Reichardt. Michael Parsons, Jess, the friend of Dharma. Sorry, Star Trek. It's for Dun Dungungs and Sea Dragons podcast. <laughs> that was a tough one. <laughs> Grace Ellen Meixner, Janeway Lambda Lambda O Omega Moo, Charlie. Turn into WC Field at the end of that. Jack Diamond, John <laughs> Weggy. Omega Moo, <laughs> Omega Moo. <laughs> Team Patient Double Take. Todd Harmon, Heather Nine. <laughs> Right. Peter Goodwin, <laughs> Matt Snyder, Scott Farley. to have uh, WC Field read your names. You're getting Scott. your money's worth. Scott Farley, <laughs> Chuck Greedo, Adrian Comp, Scott That impression Bradley. was lightning. <laughs> I can never, tell you right here, that would not get you on SNL. <laughs> never in a million years did I think I would have to pull out a WC Field impression. <laughs> Sean D. Moore, <laughs> Joe Blow, <laughs> Seth Olson, Noah Smith, Heath Korgshin, Daniel Heron, Roberta Cat, Sean Daly, M.W., Andy Benton, Darmok, and Sinatra at the Sands. His arms wide, I added the last part. Patrick Reese, Elizabeth Story, Mallory Duke. How about this? Darmok and Sinatra at the Sands, his pants off. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> Scott Watson, Brett LeBlonde, C. Edwards, Ted Marth. Blake Pettit, uh, Chad Mathis, Tom Hagopian, thank you, Mike Roberts, Joe Lenzen, Tim Glover, Jonah Brulette, David Kay, Jonathan Feller, Nick Lenchner, David Veenstra, Double Butt Stuff Oreos, Oreos with two butts and stuff, John King, Tom Bondron, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Sweeney, Michael Rossi, David Pinson. <laughs> Stephanie Dryerson, Derek Knighton, Garrick Jones, Parker Davidson, Zach McCullough, Tanner Wilson, Noah Sudret, John Zates, Sean Lyons, Carolyn McNamara, Laura Palma, Blanford, Alexander Cruz, Richard Wilkinson, Rose Harless, Debbie Lemon, Miss sorry, Mary Mack, DW, Michelle Fairbanks, James McLaughlin, Hayden, Kevin Polly, Stephanie Simmons, Kenny Meehan, Matt Fader, Theodore Zenazalo. Hampus <laughs> Theander and Trevor Kozdrowski. Sam Pass, James Maynaro, Chris Yates, Paul Magnus Calabro, Kobaya Shimaru. Kobaya Shimaru. A no win scenario. Mark Isiri, Lieutenant Patrick, thank you to Steve Hess, Bob Blair, Philip Hanshai, Molly Murphy White. Music's gone. Wabash Kozak. No, it's just Jason very quiet. Brown. Michael Giacchino score. Oh, I see. 
William Smith, Thomas, and the Cham Chamberlain, Lieutenant Matt Weber, Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast, Catherine Gaitner, Lieutenant David, Lieutenant Michael Collins, thank you to Matthew M. Columbus, Nelson Helwig, Amy Pointer, Sante Mastriana, Jeff Caramaza, Amy Gibbs, Teddy Jordan, James Tuttle, Candy Lineup, Michael Shade, Brian Stromitz, Jiminy Jillikers, Feldy BMF, Bill and Ted Minute, Cedrin Law, Ed Mundy, Miguel A.A. Moretta, Mikey Melton, Winston Stauffer, thank you to Leon Kassab, Lieutenant Pat E., Lieutenant Grant McGuire, Lieutenant Daniel Permit, thank you to Josh Moore, Daniel St. Louis Melody, the one in Australia, Secret Hail X, if Andy were to start a weekly podcast by himself or with someone else, I'd pay for it. Many others would, too. Sarah Friedman. Where Dylan it is. No Ekmelian. trouble reading that one. It just rolls off the tongue. You know, it's just easier <laughs> verbiage. Jerry Brown, Anthony Deacon, Simon, Zach Wilson, Adam Sullins, Nick G, Beth Clark, Julie O, The Great and Terrible Lizak, Jeffrey Barker, Andrew McClure, JC Shaggy, Kevin Cortakis, Cedric Clark, Chief Astronomist Andy Puckett. Astronomist. Uh, sorry. Chief <laughs> Chief Astrophysicist. I apologize. Oh my goodness, that is such a swing. <laughs> Trenton Hoyt, Carl Dath, Zach Crum, Lieutenant Roberto, Gwethelyn Williams, John G, Lucas Swain, Jay from ScienceDiv.com, the Triple People, Heisenberg Overcompensator. Mike Laban, Lieutenant Eric Rumfelt, Lieutenant Adrian Bing Clark, Seth J. Boudreau, thank you to Rob, thank you to Delphi Blues, thank you to Richard Phillips, and thank you to Todd Meyer. And thank you to Jeremy, Aaron, Dave Howe, Scott Austin, one of 13, Subjunction, Jeff, Stephen McVicker, Ryan, not a Doctor Doom, Alex Carrico, JJ, and Jess Tanagra, the pizza good. Denise Kufferschmidt, Judge 439, Ryan Hecht, Commodore 6D4, Katie Get the Cheese to Sick Bay, Whitestone, Scott Lieberman, Derby Miller, Steve Harcourt, Brian Adams, Lisa McLisa, Adam H., Darren Gleaton, Edward Andres Acevedo, Mark Redinius, Steve Thomas, Kieran O'Sullivan, Microwave Beef, Lieutenant J.M., Jason Werend, Kevin Brown, Michael Webster, The Squire of Gothos, Thomas Peering, Claudia, Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker, Alexander Perry, Joel Greenbow, Kellen Adamson, Rutger Hauer, The Interrupted Tales Podcast, Lisa Gomez, Eric Vanover, at Erica Laughing, Tyson Klein, Jeff Mullins, Tim Shields, John Lynn, Kvart on Facebook and Instagram, The Dude Never Bowls, Waka 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 Matt Brick, Andrew Polkrang, Cardassian Illumination Technician, Lance Daniel Hepper, Nate Richmond, Veronica Wisely, Trek Barnes, Chad Fate, Jeffrey Child, a werewolf is still four months behind on podcasts, Joe Moore, Tim Collins, Thomas Nettleton, Jesse Elliott, Matt Schaefer, Nathan Haney, Glenn Wakeley, Brian Rowinkle, Frederick Rombouts, Daryl the Animal Noy, Catherine Jeff, and the human and Maximus the dog. How long can a profile name be? This is long, oh, how longer than I would have expected. Good lord, the letters Secunda! Matthew Cutler, Eric B, <laughs> Jerry Canavan, Slow Down Omar, Cody Wappenkamp, Elena, Colin McK- McKeon, Nick, Dan Billing, Jonathan Sourshill, Jonathan Leader, Joyce Hudson, Derek Hawkins. And at this tense moment, Andy must take over or we're all doomed. Chris Leopold, 
Lieutenant Amber Schmidt, Lieutenant Cody Stanley, Lieutenant Stephen Cotter, Rob Baptiste, Chris DQ, ruler of the far-flung regions, master of the good versus bad pizza, holder of the secret chalice of Jalex, Scott Burnett, Andrew Gibson, Jeff Jenkins, Biff Yeager is my spirit animal, <laughs> I, Dion, uh, John Turin, Lieutenant Alex D. Gesslin, Carmen DeHoog, William Timmon, thank you to Adrian Carter, Marcus Erlinson, Erlinson, Andrew Rees, Matthew Dillon, Simon Harper, Rob Sabine, uh, Jan Leppert, Brian McDonald, Christopher P. Gill, a.k.a. Chairman of the Board, Jeff Millies, President Preston Foster, no matter what Matt says, <laughs> not a president, Risa Kochuk, Ryan Solo, Daniel Stenrud, Sophie Sofa King, Cool Matt Wipert, Lieutenant Marcello Vita, the specific actor trainee needs help with Vulcan Acting 101. There's an elective. Uh, Joel Sullivan, Lieutenant Kip Corbett, thank you to Jesse Tashinsky, Barry Wallace, Brandon Kellinger, Will Colesclaw, Katie Campbell, P- Peter Schoen, Aaron N., Joe Moran, a.k.a. Muscles Ripley, stalwart Neelix Defender, currently adrift in space, Lieutenant Kathleen Diz... Lieutenant Kathleen Guzman, Lieutenant Tish Wheeler, Neil Studd, Jet Jergens, Alexis Boussier... Stephen Small, Lieutenant Kathy Willishan. Thank you to Andrew Barber, Ben Badenock, Gary Martinez, CeCe Sadler, Tim Siebel, Kyle Thompson, Becca Shoemaker, Jesse Hendricks, Robert Denton, Claire Powells, Eric Mon, Lieutenant Raymond, Brett Parsons. Thank you to Vanilla Thunder. Thank you to Tony King, Gareth Case. Dan McLeod, CD, Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray, Tim Cullen, Kristen Scalisi, the Goddess of Carbs, Amanda Bootwell, Adam Rogers, Handiza <laughs> Hakunde, Handiza, Handiza Kunde. Uh, I know this guy from something big. Oh, never mind. It's just Grand Admiral Matui, Keith Budela, Kim Vilsack, Vilsack. Ian Buckley, Fred Coppersmith, Catface, Emily Eldred, Ross the Headless Thompson, Thompson Gunner, McLeod, Hubert Urutia. Hubert. Hubert? Hubert. Hubert. <laughs> That's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again now to the following people. These are the, uh, we're going in order of, uh, this is now in order of, uh, I believe it's descending now. So, like, these are the senior officials here getting down closest to promotion. Brandon Davis, Paul Brisk, Jillian Randles, James Baker, Diane M. Martin, Brett Jarrett, first recipient of the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, Robert Olson, the Kembles, Andrew Witzel, Derek Westover, Lissy D., Tony Rideout, Richard Davis, Tyler Rosewood, Joe Furmanek, Jason Sinclair, Stevie Marie Nickel, Alan L., Jason, who thinks of Matt, Matt, Andy is my friend and Matt is my captain, Mark Mitchell, Paul Sharp, Catherine Shimmons, Christopher Colbert, Dan Costellic, Andrew Ingram, Daniel Perez, Ben Roach, Paul Carley, Kelly Coe, Queen Elizabeth of the House of Simpson, Brian Hellman, Karen Vanoff, Mike Jones, Brett Euler, Sandra M., Mike Gaylord, Ron LeBlanc, Frederick Roy, Jonathan Wentz, Martin Hedegar Peterson, James Hetfield, Carolyn Land, Whiskey Ben 77, Chris Nedgewitz, Captain Crandall of the Inside Straight, Linnea Wynn, Shark Carbuncle, Chris Love, Luke Morgan Rowe, Robin Larson, Kelly Newman, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison, Derek Atkinson, Sir Reginald Pennybottom, Christopher Fanaghi, Anders, farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies, Peterson. You folks are the President Circle's members, and boy, oh boy, do you have a lot of listening to do this month. Everyone, go ahead and catch up. 
with a three hour and some odd minute Voyager, not Voyager. Discovery. There you go. We did we did Voyager too, but that was a breezy 90 minutes. <laughs> <sighs> you okay, Matt? Did you make it? Uh, you know, now that I put my Breathe Right strip on, I felt much better. He's getting ready to get back on the gridiron with his Breathe Right Once strip. Once again, my gridiron is a sleep number bed set at about 65. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Like all the great athletes. <laughs> we'll see you again very soon, even sooner if you're in the Patreon. Goodbye. Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President's Circle for $17.01 per month.